When it comes to weight loss, no two people are the same. That's why Noom builds personalized plans based on your unique psychology and biology. Take Brittany. After years of unsustainable diets, Noom helped her lose 20 pounds and keep it off. I was definitely in a yo-yo cycle for years of just losing weight, gaining weight, and it was exhausting. And Stephanie. She's a former D1 athlete who knew she couldn't out-train her diet, and she lost 38 pounds. My relationship to food before Noom was never consistent. And Evan, he can't stand salads, but he still lost 50 pounds with Noom. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. Even through the pickiness, Noom taught me that building better habits builds a healthier lifestyle. I'm not doing this to get to a number. I'm doing this to feel better. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom users compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? This is Young Lion King Carl Fredericks, and you're listening to Keeping It Strong Style. Yo, this is Rich Ladder from One Nation Radio. This is brought to you by the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We present to you the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Let's go. It's the Ace of Podcasts, Keeping It Strong Style. Covering New Japan, they ready to hold it down. Jeremy Donovan and the young boy Josh. Come and hit a job out in Barrio the Frost. From Tokyo Dome over to the G1. Social Suplex is the network where we can get it done. I'm a chiller. And let them have it Cause this is just an intro Keeping the strong style Six stars from the get go Boy Yeah from Tampa Bay To the Tokyo Dome This is Keeping It Strong Style With your host Jeremy Donovan And the young boy Joshua Smith And thank you for listening Welcome to Keeping It Strong Style The ace of podcasts On the Social Suplex Podcast Network Jeremy Donovan here With the young boy Josh Smith on today's show, we'll be discussing the latest on Resurgence, Summer Struggle, answering your questions, and covering all this news in the world of New Japan Pro Wrestling. You can support our show by subscribing and following the Social Suplex Podcast Network or keeping a strong style on the podcast app of your choice and leaving a rating and review. You can also get all the podcasts and columns over at socialsuplex.com. Check out our Pro Tea store, prosomtees.com. Social Suplex, that's where you can get your official Keeping It Strong Style t-shirt. If you enjoy this podcast, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping It Strong Style logo. This week's episode is brought to you by the NJPW EXT, the only browser extension for NJPWworld.com with features like dark mode, improved translations and layouts, custom and shared playlists, synchronized viewing parties, and much, much more. It takes NJPW World to the next level you can visit njpwext.us today for details. Young boy, how you doing, man? How are you doing, man? Um, you know, uh, that intro, a little lacking. Lacking? A little lacking. I mean, it still had, you know, the silky voice. It still had the professional delivery. But the energy level, man, usually I- I'm used to Jeremy coming in. Welcome to keeping it <laughs> strong style. Oh, man. Didn't, didn't realize I, I, was, I was giving subpar energy here. Where's your energy, bro? Are you tired? No, nah, not really. Uh, feeling good. Uh, getting ready. I going. see you got that. You, you got that Darby Allen coffin shirt on. You know, trying to take a coffin nap. Sleep. <laughs> yeah. like, what's going on? Taking a coffin drop. Yeah. No, man. I, I'm good. Getting ready for uh, 
Dynamite tomorrow night. Heading over to uh, Daly's place, checking that out. Going to see the juice. Oh, in action. Oh, that's right. You're going to the show. Yeah. Oh, holy shit! So you're gonna, dude. I've never seen Hootie Guerrero wrestle in my life. Like neither have I. <laughs> oh my god, I'm so jealous right now. <laughs> yeah, man. <laughs> Maybe what I, uh, you know, interpreted as being, uh, you know. Tiredness was just a calm confidence because <laughs> this man's about to go see the juice. <laughs> the juice is going to be loose in Jacksonville, man. I hope uh, they give him the mic and he was like, finally, the <laughs> juice has come back to Miami. <laughs> <laughs> All the people will be chanting the juice's name. Juicy, juicy, juicy. <laughs> That's funny. How about this? How about, um, didn't he like win the IWGP junior title and it's like not recognized? Wasn't that a question a few weeks ago or something? It was like, why wasn't he like in like the, wasn't it like him like in, or that was Mysterio, him Mysterio like not in the Super Junior or something like that? They, no, that, yeah, they weren't in the, um, they wrestled on that second war in 95, the war, uh, J Cup, but they weren't officially in the tournament. And actually, no. I don't think it was Hoobitude. It was um, him and Psychosis, if I recall. Right. I think the question you're thinking about the one with, about, about uh, Sabu, about not being recognized. Oh, uh, that's that's right. That's right. Yes, it is. But you know what? I think that there was a title change. Um, I think Hoobitude Guerrera, when he was part of the Filthy Animals, right? I believe he was, yeah. I think he smashed a beer bottle over Liger's head and pinned him on an episode of Thunder for the IWGP Junior Heavyweight title. And then, like, lost it back to Liger a few days later on Nitro, like, just before Liger went back. And, like, the IW, the, the real IWGP committee was pissed. Like, they, that was one of the things that where they're like, I don't know if we can still fuck with these WWDs. Like, <laughs> I think that's how it went down. I could be misremembering something, but I know something like that definitely happened. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me at that, at that point in time if something like that happened. <laughs> But, uh, man, we got a lot of stuff to uh, jump into here this week. And I guess we're going to have a little on-air meeting because we forgot to talk about this before we went on the air. Oh, here. man. It, yeah, it's the, it's the first of the month. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so what's the deal? So, yeah, it's uh, uh, first August, the first Keep It Strong Style of August. We have Wrestler of the Month, Match of the Month for July. Um, Wrestler of the Month, I mean, I threw out a couple of candidates here. Um a lot of people had a great July. I mean, I threw out Hiroshi Tanahashi, had the, the match of Kenta, and then, you know, pulling double duty the next night, going on, then facing Shingo in the main event in a, you know, match of the year caliber matchup. Then we have, uh, individually, you can put Tai Chi and Zack Sabre Jr. for their singles work, and then the, the tag feud, you can do Dangerous Tickers as a collective because of the tag feud, or you can go with Naito. I feel like Naito is really... Uh, been shining in these matches well real quick before we do that i i went ahead and took the liberty to look this up because it was going to bother me so yes jushin liger wins the the title in the dome october 11th 1999 on november 29th on an episode of nitro he loses the title to juventude guerrera uh and they cheated by like breaking like a, a whiskey or like a uh, uh some sort of alcoholic bottle it might have been tequila i don't remember and then December 6th, he gets his rematch in Wisconsin. 
but uh, Psychosis replaced Guerrera in the match due to Guerrera suffering a fractured right arm. So he didn't even beat the dude that beat him for the title to, to get the title back. Wow. And then, <laughs> and then went back to Japan. They, when he went back to Japan, they, they pulled one of those uh, NWA, WWF, like mid eighties title changes where like, they never talk about it. It didn't, that shit never happened. <laughs> yeah. Like, never uh, mind, anyways, didn't happen. So, um, you got Tanahashi. He had two really, really great matches. You got um, you. You mentioned the Dangerous Techers collectively and as uh, separate units. And then, what was your argument for Naito? I thought Naito looked really good in the tag matches and in the match with Saber and uh, Taichi. I feel like if you made that argument, you could say the same thing about Sonata. That's true, but I don't like Sonata. <laughs> <laughs> Okay. No, um, it's just played. Um, I mean, I don't, there was a, you know what the funny thing is? There was a point in the month where I was like, man, Ishii's on his way to like being wrestler of the month. And then that evil match happened. I was like, yeah, oh, well, never, never mind. Yeah, Ishii started the month off strong, hit that banger with uh, Nagata. Um, yeah, he was having, right. He was having a good month. And then, yeah, he, he faced evil and things went south for him. I even felt like the cast trio collectively had. Uh, you know, potential to win this. Um, for me, I mean, I think you're probably going to say the same thing. I think uh, the the winner here has got to be Hiroshi Tanahashi, turning back the clock, headlining back to back days, putting on you know classics, and uh, showing the world that like even at this stage, like you could belt that man up and he could believably be the IWGP World T- Champion like tomorrow if he wanted to be. Right. Yeah. Go A. So yeah, I'm down with that. Hiroshi Tanahashi, the July Wrestler of the Month. Uh, then for the match of the month, I think we might be in agreement here. Tanahashi versus Shingo for the main event of Wrestle Grand Slam. Dang, I thought you were going Rambo, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I was listening to Observer, and um, Brian Alvarez for like three days was like, and this scoundrel, Chase Owens, got handcuffed and then unhandcuffed himself. And I'm like, What? Did I miss that? And then, like, finally he came on, like, the next day. He's like, guys, how could you let me for several days give misinformation about this man, Chase Owens? He was never handcuffed. And I was like, I knew I didn't miss that. Yeah. Uh, I don't know what Alvarez was watching. <laughs> Alvarez telling himself, bro. <laughs> but, yeah, um, obviously the match of the month, Shingo Takagi and Hiroshi Tanahashi in the uh, Tokyo Dome 5,000 strong. <laughs> still still a low-end match of the year contender. I'm sure it's going to be on the list. I, You know, I, one thing I didn't get to say last week that I wanted to say, I think for me, I like this match better than their new beginning match. Oh, wow. Okay. But, well, I mean, not surprising at all. Like, you're on that high end. You're on that five stars for that shit. I didn't. Dude, I never thought that. I, I've seen a lot. I'm not the only one, man. There's a ton of people <laughs> that, that threw five of that match. A lot of respectable, uh, you know, media people have thrown five at it. I'm not, I'm not the only one. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for wrestler of the month and match of the month. Nice. Well, let's talk about New Japan of America. Cause there's a lot of hot stuff happening here in the West um, a lot of exciting news. So let's start with Dynamite. So last- one thing, too, I want to say before we start last week, we missed a lot of stuff like post show. I was like, yo, we forgot to say this. We forgot to say this. And we don't usually do that. But guys, have some patience with us. You know, it's not our first rodeo, but 
damn, there's a lot of shows and a lot of things going on. Yeah, there's so much going on. And you're going to see that right here. As we're, we're, we're talking about Dynamite and Impact right now. Um, yeah, there's so much to watch. I want to keep up with. Uh, I feel like we hit all the, the important stuff last week. There's a couple things that we have to mention this week, and we'll get to them in a second. Uh, but we'll start with Dynamite here. So um, last week's Dynamite, we had a video from our wrestler of the month, Hiroshi Tanahashi, uh, challenging the, the winner of the Archer-Hikaleo U.S. title match. We then had the U.S. title match with Lance Archer defeating Hikaleo with King Haku, 7 minutes and 16 seconds. Question from Dom Homie 101. Thoughts on the recent IWGP U.S. heavyweight title match that took place on last week's episode of AEW Dynamite? Um, I, I don't really have anything um, negative to say but I, I'm not going to throw flowers at it either. I thought it was good. Um, you know, at seven minutes, it was exactly what it needed to be. It was two very big, very athletic guys going out there and kind of delivering. Uh, like we've been saying for years, very impressed with Hikaleo, just as he's continuing to progress and they're starting to give him some more opportunities here. And I didn't think he looked out of place and I didn't think he looked – I mean, he obviously looked green in comparison to the well-seasoned, you know, Lance Archer, but he didn't look, you know, outclassed or anything like that. He looked fine. Um, Lance Archer was great. The match was solid. And then, you know, the stuff with Tanahashi was the icing on the cake, you know? Yeah, I totally agree with you. I thought the match was fine. I don't really think this match was designed to get Hikaleo over. I think also the shine was on Archer. I mean, Got some offense, and it wasn't a total squash match, but it was definitely the focus was on Archer. Um, and you know, the, the fan base is not really familiar with Hikaleo, so they didn't really make a ton, ton of sense for them to go 50 50. Uh, but yeah, you know, good experience for him there, and always good seeing uh, King Haku out there as well. Uh, but yeah, but uh, you know what, you know what needs to happen if they really want to consolidate this uh, partnership? Uh, uh, New Japan leaves the red strap in America to periodically bounce between strong and dynamite or rampage, whatever. And then AEW creates a new belt that they can send over to Japan and John Moxley and, and other people can defend. We can have an AEW branded title in new Japan, the AEW uh, Japanese uh, heavyweight championship. I don't know what they would call it, but uh, you know, how about that? You know, <laughs> for the pro elitists, an AEW belt. The uh, the Forbidden Door Championship. The Forbidden Door <laughs> title. Oh, man. If it went to Dragon Gate, it could be like... Uh, what, open, open the Forbidden, the forbidden Door. <laughs> <laughs> the open the Forbidden Door title. Well, uh, uh, speaking of the Forbidden Door, uh, Moxley also cut a promo on Dynamite calling himself the Forbidden Door saying that Tanahashi has been ducking him now that he lost the belt. Of course, Tanahashi would show up and wants a challenge, and he's been sending contracts to New Japan, and um, he, he wants to get back to Japan. Yeah, so it's very clear they're building to a potential down-the-road match between Moxley and Tanahashi. That's a match we've never gotten in New Japan or elsewhere, so it's kind of been protected. didn't happen in the G1. Um, to me, that says Dome you know, all over it. But there's some people speculating with Tanahashi traveling and being here locally. Maybe they could do it on an, uh, like an Arthur Ashe stadium show or, you know, all out something of that nature. But yeah, for me, I, I think it makes more sense to do it 
you know, to tease it now and then uh, do it, you know, come January 4th or 5th. Yeah, the rumors I'm hearing is that the Moxley-Tanahashi match could happen at All Out, that Moxley has proposed to Tony Khan or somebody from New Japan. And, you know, Moxley's not really been in any hot views right now on TV. He may have the, the Archer match, and that's been pretty much it. He's not really involved in anything right now. So, it could, you know, Tanahashi's here. He's wrestling Resurgence. I'm sure he might show up on the strong tapings, but if he's going to be here, it might make sense to do that match at All Out. Yeah, and, uh, you know, I don't want to get too crazy down the rabbit hole speculating on booking scenarios, but, I mean, there's a lot of things that could happen at that point, you know, just booking-wise, but uh, I'm not opposed to that. You know, I think that could be good for the partnership and for, you know, um, getting more eyes on the New Japan product long-term, and it, you know, with me kind of alluding to those different booking possibilities, that anytime that you have matches where you're not totally sure the outcome and it's a big profile, that's a, that's a good thing, you know, adds excitement to the product. So, uh, we'll wait to see what's going on there. Now, here's the thing. What I didn't like Moxley walking down the ramp, acting like Tanahashi has been ducking him. Right. Whilst all four of these dudes, him, Archer, Tanahashi, Hikaleo, none of them had the gall to do shit about King Haku being ringside, okay? You want to you wanna pick a fight with somebody, that's the dude you try to prove yourself against, you know? Like, Haku is older than Tanahashi, but Tanahashi is actually older than Haku. Haku will whoop his ass right now. Yes, dude, Haku was ready to run it. He did the, the, the Tongan death grip out there. That man <laughs> was out there in his bull club shirt. He was ready to run it with anybody. He's wearing the uh, he's wearing a New Japan um, tracksuit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, tracksuit. That was dope. <laughs> you got to uh, let them know, you know. Yeah. Like when I go to the gym, sometimes I wear like my Suzuki shirt because I got to let them know, you know. <laughs> yeah. They don't want to smoke. <laughs> uh, we had a question from Dom Homie One Hundred and One with John Moxie recently cutting a promo about wanting some NJPW home cooking. Is it possible that we may see some NJPW talent coming to Conland, or we see Moxie pull up in Japan? To get some NJPW G1 home cooking. Uh, I mean, I don't know. What do you think about that? Um, I mean, I think it's clear now that we are going to be seeing more New Japan talent coming to AEW. So, but I think Moxley's program, uh, promo is also about him wanting to go to Japan. I think that's going to open the door for him whenever he can travel to go to Japan. Then also open the door for more people to come and face him on Dynamite. Well, right now, and we alluded to this last week, we don't know what the visa situation is. In the past and leading up to the current day, present time, you know, they've been struggling to procure um, foreign uh, travel visas for the Gaijin talent that weren't already kind of grandfathered in, um, you know, to allow them to kind of make the trek to Japan and, and, you know, do the quarantine and all that um recently i think there might have been some positive signs as far as like allowing travel for those who are vaccinated and not requiring them to quarantine so that's good news uh if i'm you know new japan and i'm kind of like uh staring at the horizon i'm actively working on this situation and i believe that is the case just based on some of the promos we've seen recently with like the good brothers and john moxley where they're talking you know ad nauseum about how soon and very soon they're going to be in japan so i'm assuming that they've either they're you know actively pursuing this or they've got you know an inroad a way to maybe obtain visas but 
until we see that on paper, I'm going to still assume that it's something that's not available until they like make it public, you know? Right. So uh, next up, we got to move but, on. But, but Vice, on the other side, we've seen plenty of Japanese talent come to America. Right. Yeah, but who knows? I mean, things are changing here, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, things are getting pretty crazy with the uh, the Delta variant, and so that's probably going to have an impact on how uh, some of these shows are going to play out. But uh, speaking of impact, that is what we got to talk about next real quick. So we oh, have... man. <laughs> what, what a transition. <laughs> so we have... Uh, You're a gift. <laughs> had some uh, interesting stuff happening on Impact. We have the team of Beyblade. That's a team of Switchblade, Jay White, and Chris Bay. They had a tag match against the Good Brothers. They lost to the Good Brothers. Chris Bay eating a magic killer, but the night would not be done for Beyblade. They attacked Finn Juice backstage. Obviously, Jay White has that match coming up with David Finley. So they, they lay out Finn Juice. And this coming up week on Impact, Chris Bay will be taking on Juice Robinson. Uh, Are you watching any of this? Yeah, so I, I watched a tag match. I've been watching because they, they've been putting all that stuff up on New Japan World. So as it comes up, I've been watching and keeping up what's going on in Impact. Um, thought it was kind of weird to have uh, Beyblade lose the Good Brothers so soon. Uh, but it's whatever. They, they pinned Chris Bay. They didn't pin Jay White. But also they're pivoting now to focus on the, the Jay and Finley rivalry. I find it very interesting. You know, New Japan, they're using Impact TV and AEW TV to build to resurgence. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, and I like it. I don't know if it's um, ultimately, like, you know, going to be, like, uh, something that really has a huge influence on tickets or anything like that. Right. But, but you know, I think the effort – and, you know, kind of the, the combining of the two storylines is pretty cool. Well, one, one question I had for you, um, in New Japan, they obviously we're going to talk about the Good Brothers here. They're in the finals of, uh, you know, the tag team turmoil. They're referring to them on Strong as Bullet Club members, Bullet Club OGs. And obviously there hasn't been, you know, a reference to that being hundred percent the case by any current bullet day member, uh, bull club member. But, um, then on impact with, you know, Jay white being there, there's clearly a disconnect. They went, you know, they traded, you know, jabs and verbal spars and things like that. So it's like, um, are we, are they going to try and do this thing on in new Japan where they portray them as still, you know, bull club members by proxy. And then, you know, on impact and AW, they're, they're kind of separated. Like what's, you remember when ROH used to run into these issues yeah. with new Japan where they had like death, uh, separate kind of storylines that they were trying to align. Yeah. I mean, as far as I saw on strong, they did like refer to their history of being part of the bull club, but they never said that they were actually members of the bullet club. Kevin uh, Kelly did. Oh, he did. He was saying that he was saying that you know for the longest time, um, you know, God were the dominant Bullet Club tag team. But prior to that, it was these guys, and now it's them again coming back for the crown, you know. And he kept alluding to them being Bullet Club. You know, he didn't come out and say they are in fact still Bullet Club. He didn't say those words, but like all the allusions and how he spoke about it implied 
that they're Bullet Club, you know? Yeah, and maybe that's playing up to a match with them in G.O.D. Uh, they have been throwing up the two sweet. They have been getting into, you know, Twitter arguments with Tamatonga. So maybe it's one of those things where that will play into the storyline, too. I mean, J.Y. was pretty, pretty clear on impact. Like, you guys are not in the Bullet Club and not welcome back in, so... Right. And I think that we have a pretty good feel as to what the talent, um, what their opinions are as far as like the creative go. But I don't know if like, for instance, New Japan brings them in, they're going to try to sell T-shirts. Right. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like they have different intentions in mind. And we've seen that, like I mentioned, when when um, Bullet Club was spread across ROH and, and New Japan, there was all sorts of, you know, weird differences between the different TVs and the different characters and everything. Right. And like ROH was doing that whole like Cody versus Kenny thing. I'm not even sure how much like new Japan, like had to do with that. I think they just kind of had to, had to roll with it. Yes, exactly. <laughs> uh, well, like I mentioned impact dynamite, they're building up to resurgence, which will be at next week, next Saturday, August 14th, uh, 11 PM oh, Eastern time on new japan world and fight tv yeah and don't forget guys um if you want to watch this in english you have to order it on fight tv they have the exclusive english language rights whereas if you're okay watching it uh with the japanese commentary that's available to you on new japan world yeah and so we have uh some more of the card here so like we talked about tanahashi challenged the winner of Archer Hikaleo, so it will be for the IWGP US title, Lance Archer defending against Hiroshi Tanahashi. Then we're going to have John Moxley and a mystery partner versus the Good Brothers. Moxley cut a promo um, saying he's going to meet a friend in LA and challenge the Good Brothers to a matchup. And we know that uh, Shooter Umino was supposed to be on the show, but due to travel restrictions from the UK, he's not going to be able to make it. So that leaves uh, some question marks on who the partner is. And we had a question from Viking Pain. It says, now that Shooter is stuck in the UK due to traveling issues, who do you think Moxley's new mystery partner is? Gut tells me it's Juice, but an out-of-left-field pick would be Nick Gage. I think Moxley at T is working with him. And GW's next show is on August 20th in Vegas. Also, what do you guys think of death matches in general? Me, personally, not a fan of it. Man, lots to cover there. Uh, before we move on, I just want to say Tanahashi versus Archer. Cannot wait super stoked uh that's an incredible you know um addition to the lineup and um if you guys haven't seen their match from uh g1 was it 2019 yeah 2019 yep yeah well worth checking out but uh to answer this well first i'd like to say i think i was pretty well on the money when i said that we might be getting Moxley and Shooter against the Good Brothers, and yeah. it appears that I was right. <laughs> yeah, I think we we had talked about that. Like as soon as we saw like both those guys on the card, like announced, like that's a possible potential match they could do. As soon as however many weeks back it was that he wrestled Carl Anderson, yeah, on Dynamite, or as as far back as that was announced, that's when I was speculating on that. Um, so that's pretty cool. I'll tell you this: uh, some of the choices you you kind of provided. They make some sense, but I'll tell you who I think it is. Um, I'm pretty sure it's Sammy Callahan. Um, him and Sam, uh, John Moxley and Sammy Callahan had a very long-standing, successful independent tag team. What were they called? Uh, uh, Switchblades. Yeah, the Switchblades or something like no Society Blades. I don't know something, something weird. Something, something, something with blades in it. Uh, but I think it was close to Switchblades too. Social Switchblades. I don't know something weird. But um, 
they're actually teaming up again for the first time in years re, uh, on the upcoming Wrestling Revolver show. Wrestling Revolver, as you guys might know, is an independent promotion that's promoted by Sammy Callahan. Um, so I think there's a good chance, especially with Jeremy, you mentioned that there was some um, issues between Sammy Callahan and the Good Brothers on Impact Television already as well, right? Right. So, so what they are, the, the Switchblades is what they were called. Okay, they're just the switchblades. Yeah. Okay, uh, but, cool. But yeah, Sam and Callahan also with the, with the feud with Kenny Omega. The Good Brothers were involved with that as well. So yeah, he's had heat with those guys. Yeah. So I mean, that's just my pick. I mean, I'm thinking you know an Impact guy who has you know close ties to him, someone that you could throw in in a pinch, and you know they're all kind of like closely aligned storyline wise. That just makes the most sense to me. I could be wrong, but that's my best uh my best bet right it wouldn't be the first time that we've seen callahan in new japan obviously he worked the world tag league a few years ago with juice robinson i believe they were death juice that was like 2017 2018 world tag league i forgot about that yeah it was 2017 remember he was kissing everybody and he uh juice oh my god he kissed kojima (laughs) and tenzon's like why did he kiss kojima i want to kiss kojima (laughs) No, yeah, remember Tenzon was like, my wife never kisses me. I'm not going to lie. I liked it a lot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so. Also, Cal- that's, that's, where, uh, that's where we got Yuji Nagata from, from WCW. WCW. <laughs> I used to play with him on World Tour. <laughs> yeah. yeah. On the Nintendo 64. <laughs> yeah, Calhan had some funny lines during that tour. Uh, but, yeah, that was World Tag League 2017 when we started this podcast. And so, yeah, Calhan has history. In New Japan, uh, like you mentioned, it makes storyline sense storyline wise. Impact's been playing nice with New Japan. Um, this could be the favor here. Umino can't make it. Let us use Callahan. I mean, Shota Umino is the only other guy that has, you know, kayfabe New Japan ties to John Moxley. I mean, y- your other choice, Juice, isn't a bad choice, but I mean, I'd much rather see Juice and um, Moxley continue to you know, be uh, enemies. Right. The only thing that I can see maybe Juice is because Juice is advertised for the show and he's not in a match and Finley is right. facing Jay White. So you could do something there and you maybe have, you know, the, the quote unquote rivals, can they, can they, you know, coexist to face the good brothers and that could open the door to another Juice Mox match. Yes. Now uh, to address the last part of your question, uh, death matches, you know, I, I wouldn't tell you I'm a, I'm a cool wrestling fan, you know. I'm not I'm not the death match guy. You're not Dan I'm Coffin. Also, yeah, I'm not Dan Coffin ghoul match, you know, fan, but uh <laughs> I will say this. I'm down for a good death match every now and again. Like, I don't care, you know. I, I've got different tastes when it comes to hardcore and deathmatch wrestling than, you know, others do, but yeah, I mean I, I I'm not going to sit here and be like, I've never watched a, you know, a barbed wire, you know, spider net death match with cactuses and like piranhas and shit. Like, right. I love that stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's something I'm going to watch every day or kind of seek out. But yeah, it's done well. You got the right guys, the right build. I, I think they could be awesome. So. Uh, so also on this resurgent Carlos, we already knew we have the never open way title. Jay White defending against David Finley. We have a six-man tag with Fred Ross and Rocky Romero in Wheeler, Utah against Clark Connors, Fenderita, and TJP. 
And then the next match in the Alex Coughlin uh, Challenge Series will be Alex Coughlin versus the Alpha Wolf, Carl Fredericks. Oh, man. This is like his uh, his labors. <laughs> yes. The labors the of labor, Coughlin. <laughs> the labors of Coughlin. <laughs> um, New Japan has also announced that Shota Umino will no longer be part of Resurgence event. We kind of covered that. Um, we had some questions here regarding this event, so it seems like people are kind of getting excited as the date's approaching. Yeah, they are. Uh, Dom Homie 101 asked, with the lineup of New Japan Resurgence, what are your thoughts on the card? Who will be John Moxley's mystery partner? Any thoughts on Archer and Tanahashi? And who will walk out with the IWGP US Championship? So, Jeremy, next week is our preview of that show, correct? Yes. Okay. And we may or may not have a special guest. Uh, you know, time will tell. <laughs> Yeah, we'll we'll let you guys know, but either way, there might be somebody joining us uh, next week to to preview that show. But uh, yeah, I'm overall I'm very excited for this card. Uh, I think the card kind of turned out better than I, I thought it was. You know, when this was announced, there's no way I could predict that we we're going to see Archer versus Tanahashi uh, on the card. Uh, so overall, I think it's it's a very good card for like New Japan's. You know, come back to the States, you're getting a U.S. title match, you're getting Tanahashi, Archer, who's not even signed with the company, you're, you're getting Moxley, you're getting a never title match of a, a history rivalry with Jay White and Finley, uh, the L.A. Dojo guys, Fredrickson Coughlin, the fun six-man tag, uh, we still have a strong title match to be announced and some more matches to be announced, so overall, very solid card, very excited for it, as far as who's going to walk out with the U.S. title, um, let's say that. Let's say that till next week's preview. Yeah, yeah. Good, good call. Good call there. Yep, and I, I concur, Jeremy. I don't have anything to add there. Kyle Martin asked, like I said last week, Jeremy, I've fallen off the New Japan bandwagon since January fifth, but my markish outlook for AEW and my love for the ace who runs the place has got me wanting to watch Resurgence. With all that being said, can you guys recommend me some matches from this year as a primer for the show, please? Your podcast is the essential way to keep up with and understand the stories but for me that's completely overshadowed both of your actual match reviews and star ratings well i could um i mean there's not really matches that are really built to this but i can give you my hold on did did he literally just write a question that was addressed strictly to you and then said that he respects your match ratings and star reviews and and opinions and then not address me in any way, shape, or form? I think he meant both of us. I think he just responded to he said, me. He said Jeremy. Well, because I, I posted the question thing in the, the wrestling square circle. Bro, young boy disrespect will not be tolerated, okay? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just playing. Go ahead. No, I was going to say, um, you know, I, I can give him some recommended matches from New Japan. They don't really build to resurgence, but they can get you hyped up for New Japan. Obviously, there's... But I but I think that's what he's wanting. Is I think he's wanting, like, hey, in a nutshell, what would you say I need to catch up on to be ready for this show when it comes to the resurgence show? You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So I'm, I'm thinking, like, um, you probably want to catch the last strong... Um, Open weight title defense. The last couple probably title defenses. Yeah, I'll definitely know. watch the uh, the Lawler and Dickinson title defense. Yeah, um, I mean, you could watch the Fredericks one. It's not bad. Um, probably the Kojima one. I think that you know, kind of having a, a a good understanding of the history of that title. That's short, but you know, 
good history is probably uh, key. I would also probably recommend watching Mox's U.S. title defense against Kenta. That was a really big one. If you didn't catch it, you know, that's probably highly recommended. Obviously, it sounds like you're watching AEW, so, you know, you probably want to catch some of those AEW title defenses, especially the Texas death match. Yeah, I would say also watch the both Tanahashi matches from last week, the, the Kenta match and the Shingo match. You see how the A's can still run it. Yeah, um, and then, you know, the tag team turbulence. Um, you know, there really isn't a match that I'd recommend from that, but, you know, just kind of being aware of the tournament, what happened and everything of that nature is probably key. Then uh, also the uh, the Alex Coughlin series, you can watch the Josh Alexander match. That Alex uh, Coughlin that really had good. that was really good from Strong. Uh, yeah, I think that'd be the main stuff, honestly. Yeah, because I feel like a lot of this stuff. I mean, they really didn't use Strong that much to build up this show. A lot of the show has been built up through Dynamite and Impact. Uh, but. Oh, oh, the um, the New Japan Cup match between Jay White and um, David Finley is a must see. Right, that's the whole reason why this match is happening because Finley got the the upset win there in the New Japan Cup to uh, get this title match against uh, Jay White. Yeah, so we've given you a good list. You know, check out. You know, go to your cage match. Take a look. Look at the ratings. They'll kind of give you an idea. You can read a review here or there, but you know, you probably want to watch a match or two from some of these bigger feuds and storylines to kind of prep yourself if that's where you're. You know, if that's what your game plan is. Yeah. So the next question comes from either Mitch MM twenty two. Has there has there been an act in wrestling quite like the Good Brothers? These boys on bang average matches and by all counts are really cool guys to hang out with somehow they've turned into being a top tag team in every major promotion they go to personally their matches do nothing for me but i'm still a fan because i respect the hustle where do they <laughs> rank all time as a tag team and where do they rank all time for nesting the business with minimal effort if there's a former bull club leader making money then anderson gals are making money you gotta respect it yeah i mean <laughs> you know he, he's not wrong um I didn't know what he meant when he said bang average matches. I thought he might have meant below. Um, I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I, I don't really enjoy the Good Brothers as, a, as an act or a tag team. But I do listen – I mean, not recently, but in the past. I've listened to their podcasts, and I've seen their shtick online. They're funny, entertaining, creative guys. And, yeah, in terms of, like, where do they rank – for all-time teams, I don't know. I probably wouldn't even put them in a top 100, yeah. <laughs> to be honest with you. I wouldn't. I wouldn't I wouldn't even consider them there. But um, in terms of, like, finessers, they, they got to be in a top, like, 25, top 50 list. Like, th- these guys are fucking incredible when it comes to getting paid and, you know, making, you know, wise career moves. It's Yeah, dude. All- especially Gallows. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Dude, that man went from being Festus, uh, being fake Kane, to to where he's at right now. But think of how many times he got rehired by WWE. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) This man just stays getting the bag. Like, it's kind of funny. Yeah, they've both gotten mad money for WWE. They're now on three television shows every week. They're on Dynamite, Impact, and Strong every week now. Yeah. Get ready. They're going to, you know, invade MLW. <laughs> uh, yeah, you never know. With all these, uh, you know, companies working together, that that could be the next stop. 
Viking Payne asked, if Tanahashi wins the U.S. title, is that a sign that he'll be spending a good amount of time in America for the foreseeable future? Tana touring the States having matches and impact. ROH, AEW, and Strong would be a sight to behold. Yeah, I'm, I'm not quite sure if he, he wins the belt. That's going to be a sign that he's sticking around. We've been talking for months now that eventually New Japan is going to get back the U.S. title and use it for tours in the U.S. So if Tanahashi wins and can get back to Japan with a title, that could, they could use the U.S. title to help you know, main event shows and draw houses in Japan. Doesn't necessarily mean he's going to be you know, in the U.S. touring with it. Yeah, that's what I was going to say the same thing. Like, I think it would be great to see Tanahashi do a Liger-esque run, you know, throughout the, you know, the United States and everything like that. I think with the rise of the Delta variant um, and, you know, we're already like you're starting to see some lockdowns and shows get shut down um, and states and stuff like that. I don't know how viable it will be long term for Tanahashi to stay here and keep working, but right. You know, business been down in Japan. They need attractions, and Tanahashi with gold around his waist always, you know, equals drawing. So my bet is he goes back to Japan and, you know, draws some big cork and house hall or some big cork and hall house shows. Right, especially if I don't know what I'm trying to say there. <laughs> <laughs> uh, especially if Jay White's going to be stateside for most of the year they might turn that never title into a title you see on strong a lot or maybe jay's gonna wrestle more impact so maybe the never title kind of sticks around the u.s while you bring the u.s title back as the number two title next question he had um and this is going to kind of lean into our last bit of discussion when it comes to this show um he asked now that leo rush has been cleared how long do you think it's going to be until he decides to Unretire, and that was something we forgot to touch upon last week when we were talking about um, Filthy Tom Lawler retaining the strong openweight title. We forgot to mention that post show, his most recent title challenger Leo Rush, you know, approached him in the post match comment, you know, comments, and uh, you know, laid out the challenge. Now, it, I don't think it was expressly um, made known that it would be at Resurgence. I'm assuming it's going to be for Resurgence. I would assume so because both of them are advertised and neither of them have been announced for a match yet. So they were probably waiting on Leo to get cleared so they can make that match official. Yeah. And as of the time of this recording, it's still not technically official, but you know, um, like Viking pain mentioned here, he did recently put out uh, a tweet stating that he is cleared for, you know, to kind of compete. Obviously he's been competing on new Japan strong, but those shows are in a can and were taped, you know, a while back. So, um, but at this current time, he's, he's able to, to wrestle again. So that means that he probably has the clearance for the resurgence show. And I'm guessing maybe after this next week's new Japan strong, something will become, you know, be made official. Yeah, I, I would think so. Cause yeah, we're right around the corner now. So I would think they would officially announce that uh, strong open weight title match. Well, that's going to lead us to talk about uh, this past week strong. We had the final. Wait, I wanted to talk about my Leo Rush um, conspiracy oh, oh, theories. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Go for it. Okay. So here's the deal, guys. And I just want to say, I want to preface this by saying, I do not expect Leo Rush to be the next open weight strong champion. But I could see it happening. <laughs> 
And, and, and here's a few reasons why. I think there is a possibility. And I know that this is going to sound kind of um, conspiracy theorish of me, but like um, I don't know if this man ever actually planned to retire. Uh, I think there's a few things that could have been possibly happening. Maybe it was completely sincere and heartfelt, and he really did intend to retire when he made that remark. It wouldn't be the first time that Leo Rush has ever you know, addressed retirement before. So that's kind of on the record. At the same time, there's a couple like key indicators to me that are like suspicious about the whole thing. First off, making an announcement that you're retiring from the sport way before you actually stop competing, you know, yeah, it's never usually a strong sign that someone is actually retiring. Like I'm retiring, but I'm going to, I'm going to get these dates in, you know? <laughs> yeah. So that part is kind of suspect. Number two, why hasn't he done any jobs on the way out? You know, now I think I could play devil's advocate and say, I'm trying to get the most bang for my buck out of him by maybe building him up as a challenger to say like Tom Lawler and then having Lawler beat him. I guess that makes some sense to me, you know, at the same time, maybe I'm not having him job out to anybody on the way out because he's not actually leaving (laughs) (laughs) and there's no reason to job him out, you know, because that's the typical traditional treatment. Someone who is made very public knowledge that they're leaving the company. Well, another another point you have to think about, I think a lot of his stuff has already been in the can. Cause I mean that, that when he faced off against Lawler, I mean, that was like when Nagata was still in the States and that was like months ago. Right. But like, I know it was in the can, but like how long ago was this all in the can in comparison to when he made the announcement, you know? Yeah. The other thing too, is he said, I, I'm going to keep wrestling for new Japan because I have to quote unquote, fulfill my dates. Okay. That, that is super suspicious to me because what kind of fucking contract does he have with new Japan of America? (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like any contract they might have, I'm, I know that they did announce that they signed him to a deal, but like those almost feel like they're like short term deals that could possibly even be like per date or per like taping, you know, mm-hmm. what kind of contractual obligation does the guy have to the company? You know what I mean? Like, you know, could he hypothetically, if he wanted to say, you know what, my family, my health, my, my shoulder, everything like that, it's my mental health. It's not worth it. And just stop working. I think he could. What kind of legal repercussions does New Japan have to go against him? What recourse would there be? You know? Right. None. There literally be none. It's not like, you know, he's signed to like a WWE deal where they're going to ice him out and, and all this like sort of stuff and non-competes and all that. Like, it's not that serious. So I feel like the idea that, oh, like, just hear me out. I think they might be planning to possibly put the title on him and have the story be that he was leaving the sport. He's the underdog. He's done and he's going away and everybody knows it. You know, it wouldn't be the first time we've ever seen a company do a storyline like this looking at UCM punk. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, and I feel like now it doesn't mean for sure he's going to win. I, I'm about 15% thinking he's going to win. I'm about 85% sure he's probably losing. But, I mean, it wouldn't be the craziest thing in the world. He's by far the biggest profiled 
New Japan of USA guy that they have. And I'm not counting, obviously, like your John Moxley's or guys that are actively working for New Japan in Japan or for AEW. I'm talking about those dudes who are on the indies who got brought in and they're considered strong talent. He has the most social engagement, the most Google searches, the most, you know, he's the most well-known name. Like he's by far the biggest star that they have. It wouldn't be that crazy to put the title on him if in fact he decided he was going to keep working. Right. I don't know. For me, it just seems like, I don't know. I just feel like that's, so much. I feel like I would have buy more a little bit more into it if like they were building it up on strong. Like, yeah, he's retiring. You know, he's his time is coming up, and he's gonna get this one big last title match. But like, I just don't see like what's the whole point of like going through all this if they're not gonna really capitalize on it. I agree with you, but at the same time, this is the same company that doesn't always hit the mark when it comes to their branding and stories in the U.S. That's true. So that's that's the other caveat. I've th- I've considered the same thing as you. So I just want to be the guy that's saying maybe we should be reconsidering this thing because I think there's some uh, there's some suspect stuff going on there. But um, if this is in fact his last match, that's a pretty great way to go out. Yeah. Well, he's also advertised for the strong tapings on Monday, so you could have a situation where suspect <laughs> he, he wins the belt and drops it back at the strong tapings, and he's done. You could also have a similar situation to like AJ Styles Wrestle Kingdom. You know, he works the big match, and then they do an angle to write him off the next night. Right. So he loses twice on the way out. You know, but let's uh, like you said, let's talk about tag team turbulence night three. Yeah, so the show opened up. We had your boy Bateman defeating Kevin Knight, seven minutes and 47 seconds. Uh, second match of the evening, we had Adrian Crest, Fred Rosser, and Carl Fredericks defeating Mysterioso and the West Coast Wrecking Crew, Jarrell Nelson and Royce Isaacs at nine minutes and 20 seconds. And then the main event was the finals in the Tag Team Turbulence Tournament, and it was the Good Brothers, Doc Owls, and Carl Anderson defeating the Violence Unlimited team of Brody King and Chris Dickinson, 10 minutes and 59 seconds. One thing, uh, at the end of this match, they presented them with the Tag Team Turbulence trophies. I got to tell you, Jeremy, when uh, did you ever watch Guts? Yes, yeah. You have it, Guts, yeah. Yeah. So you remember, like, when they, like, at the end of the show, you'd win and you'd get a piece of that aggro crag. Yeah, the aggro crag, yeah. Yeah, and it was this giant fucking, like, sculpture trophy, and the kids would, like, hold it over their head, and it was huge, right? Yeah. For some reason, the way that they – that I've seen them show the pictures of the uh, tag team Turbulence trophies, they, like, shot it from, like, underneath, and they just looked fucking massive. <laughs> I was assuming that there were these huge golden fucking fists that the guys were going to – like like, basically, like, a New Japan Cup-level, like – uh, trophy or like the old like World Tag League trophies, just like huge. And then when they handed them these like coffee cup sized like little fists, I'm like, what the fuck are they? <laughs> Bro, those are like just some like default trophies. Somebody online found like the the website that they ordered them from. Like it's, they're like amateur wrestling trophies uh, that you can order from like for any like wrestling tournament, amateur wrestling tournament. And they ordered well, those they... and slapped the New Japan logo on it. <laughs> Oh yeah, I for some reason like the um the red like wristbands on them remind me of like Naito. Mm. When he's like when he like throws like the fist in the air, like I don't know. 
But anyways, um, yeah, Good Brothers beat Violence Unlimited. I don't is is a fine show. I don't really have a lot to add to the discourse here. The one thing I will say is during the show they didn't showcase the storyline with John Moxley calling out the Good Brothers. That was something that I saw on um, what's what's the show Chris Charlton does the recap show. It's like the it's like after strong or something like that, or like post strong or whatever. Yeah, post strong. <laughs> I know that's not what it's called, but like the show keeping it. I don't know. Maybe it's called keeping a strong style. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> but like that's where I saw the promo, and it's very. It was funny because it was very clear that he cut that promo on the Good Brothers the same time that he cut the promo on Tanahashi because he was still walking like through the background wearing the same shit. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but like, why wasn't that on New Japan Strong? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, that that, that popped up on social media afterwards and on that that show of Chris Charlton. And yeah, I don't know why they wouldn't have put that on Strong. Again, they really haven't been using Strong to build up Resurgence, which is kind of weird. And again, I don't maybe it's because of the taping schedule. I, I think it always has a lot to do with the taping schedule. Like there's some positives to doing mass TV tapings, you know, continuity and things like that. But then when, with the kind of um, environment we're in right now, where there's so much happening in, in short order and all these other different companies, they're all kind of tied together. It kind of exposes the tape nature of strong, you know, right. which maybe, maybe detracts or doesn't detract for you. It depends, I guess. Right. And I think that might be changing now with, you know, bands being welcome to tapings. And I think they might end up doing maybe shorter tapings compared to what they were doing. Um, it might be a little bit more relevant. But the Good Brothers, did they cut a promo here post-match after winning the tournament saying that they are, uh, they, they want a... Ichiban. <laughs> yeah, so they're Ichiban. They want a future IWGP heavyweight tag team title match. Yeah, so that's uh, pretty much what happened here on Strong. Kevin Knight can't get a fucking win. Um, and yeah, and then we move on. Next week, we got Jarrell Nelson and Hoist. <laughs> I always say Hoist. Royce Isaacs, uh, the West Coast Wrecking Crew, taking on Jared Kratos and Danny Limelight of Team Filthy. Uh, second match of the night, Rocky Romero will team up with Fred Rosser to take on Ren Rita and Alex Coughlin. Wonder is going to win there. And then uh, the main event, uh, actually, oh, did I go backwards? Yeah, it's in reverse order. So I, I copied this from an Observer site, and they, they always put uh, the main event first. This is not the first time I've done this on the show either. But here's the problem, you know, that – that like main event sounds like an opener to me. <laughs> yeah, this this week not a really strong show. This is uh, I call it the summer struggle in USA uh, tour. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that it is indeed. Kevin Knight and Alexander James will be uh, starting the show off for another one of uh, you know for Kevin Knight. Who's Alexander James? We've seen him before, right? Uh, I don't think so. I think it's the first time he's going to be on strong. Oh, uh, he's a former seen, CCW and uh, WXW guy, I think. I've seen him in um, Bloodsport. That's where I know him from. Oh, he's good. I, that's I like why him. his name's familiar. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like Alexander James. That should actually be good. So that's a, that's a, I think that's his debut. So that, that's one to look out for. Yeah. Um, one question here, Viking Payne asked, after watching the Kojima Lawler match, my friends and I thought it would be cool if the strong title wasn't just a championship but also a ticket to japan like if you're a heavyweight well it's open weight title bud but if you're a heavyweight and you're the strong champion you automatically get a spot in the g1 oh i see what he's saying or if they're a junior champion 
you automatically get a spot into the best of super juniors. We just thought that would add more prestige and weight to the title. Do you agree or disagree? Yeah, I think that would be cool. You know, it, it adds more value. To, uh, also, being a champion is great and being the top guy of that show, but definitely adds more value. Like, all right, you're the strong champion. You just you, you got your way to a G1 or best of super juniors. I think that'd be pretty cool. Here's Here's my only problem with that. I have no problem in theory with the strong champion being involved in either of the junior or heavyweight round robin tournaments. I don't like it though when a title becomes a um, consolation to some other bigger prize. Okay. So, what I mean by that is this I'm totally fine with any singles champion being involved in those tournaments. They should be, you know? as they already are in Japan. Like when was the last time that the IC or the U S or the never champion wasn't in the G one or, or the new Japan cup, you know, like very rarely. Right. But it's not ever stated. If you hold this title, then you get a chance to go to, you know, be in the G one, you know, it's not like a money in the bank. I think it should just automatically be a given that, the strong champion is one of the four or five major title holders in the company and they get to be in the tournament, you know, but it's not like a, like an overstated, like he just punched his ticket to the G one. Yeah. I, I wouldn't do, yeah. I wouldn't do like that. I wouldn't build it up like that. I wouldn't build it as a cash and it would just be like a normal thing. Like you're a champion. You're going to be in the G one or you're a junior. You're going to be in best sleep juniors because you're a strong champion and you're a top guy. So you should be in those tournaments. Right. And I have no problem with, with the guy cutting a promo, like, you know, calling out the, the top talent, I'll see you in the G1. That would be dope. But I, I don't like it being something where, like, it's a, uh, I don't know, like a rule. Like, I don't know. You know, do, do you get, I feel yeah. like it devalues the title. The title is just, um, you know, something to get to something else. Right. It's like, you're, it's not like you don't really care about being champion. You just care about getting to the tournament. Right. Kind of, kind of devalues the title. Right. Um, yeah. So, in other news, we had uh, two matches announced last week for night one of Wrestle Grand Slam in MetLife Dome, night one on September 4th. So, we're going to have Kazuchika Okada versus Jeff Cobb, the rematch from Wrestle Grand Slam in Tokyo Dome. And then we're also going to have a KOPW 2021 matchup as Chase Owens will defend against Toriyano. Yeah, and we don't know what that KOPW constellation constel. What's wrong with me? I'm mispronouncing. Is constellation the word? Uh, you mean KOPW like the what type of match is going to be? Yeah, the stipulation. Yeah, why do I keep saying constellation? That is so fucking weird. I'm having a weird day. Uh, yeah, we don't know what the stipulation is going to be, <laughs> but um. You know, recently, I mean, there's a few things. Remember, Chase Owens threw powder in the eyes of Yano to blind him and allow him to win the KOPW title. That's something we've seen him do now on these Road 2 shows multiple times. So I've got a feeling that there may be some sort of, um, I don't know, salt to the eyes sort of rule or aspect to the, I think to the match. I think they're building to an I quit match. So a lot on the shows that they did. That, that was the other thing I was going to mention yeah. as well. Yeah, they've been doing it every day. They've been being down Yano, taking the mic in his face, asking him to say he's that he quit. So, but he's also thrown powder in his eyes almost every day as well. Yeah. So I wouldn't be surprised. You, you remember, and they don't always follow this rule, but sometimes they let the people vote. Right. 
So I wouldn't be surprised if we find out that they're going to let him vote between some, you know, aspect of, of the match between these two types. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Either could happen. So uh, we're going to run through the results of July 30th and July 31st uh, summer struggle. Uh, Not too much going on there. And then we'll focus some time on the August 1st show where we had the Young Lion farewell matches and the big never open weight six man title match between um, Chaos and Suzuki Goon. So on the 30th, we had Kojima, Tiger Mask, and Yuji Nagata defeating Togi Makabe, Yotosuchi, and Yu Yamura. We had Tenzan, Wato, and Deguchi defeating Okada, Sho, and Yo. Tanahashi and Yano defeating Owens and Gato. The Chaos team of Goto, Eagles, Ishii, and Yoshihashi defeating the Suzuki team of Doki, Suzuki, Taichi, and Zack Sabre Jr., in the main event was a eight-man tag elimination match. Lij defeated the Bull Club team of Evil, ELP, Taiji, and Yujiro Takahashi. We have a question here from Dominic One Hundred and One. Is it time? It's time for songs that remind you of Evil. This week's artist is Marshall Bruce Matters the Third, aka one of the most overrated rappers of all time, Eminem. <laughs> so we need to figure out what Eminem song reminds us of Evil. Yes. <laughs> Man, I wish, you know, if there's going to be a really weird song like this, I wish you would, uh, like, reach out to me and let me know so I could, like, have something ready so I could work the, the audience and make them think that, A, I'm, like, a hip-hop head, and B, you know, that I'm witty. But uh, I'll start off with uh, the 20, 2005 hit from Eminem. It's called FAC. Mm. F-A-C-K. FAC. It, purpose of how the hell does that fit in with evil? That's what I scream every time he's on the screen. Every time <laughs> he does anything, pretty much that's how it relates to it. Um, I'm gonna go. Let's see here. I got another one. The way I am. That's uh what evil says when I ask, bro, why do you suck so hard? And he says, that's just the way I am. <laughs> Uh, I'm gonna go with the song uh, "Venom" because he is the the poison in <laughs> NJPW. He's the venom that we cannot get rid of. Uh, I'm also gonna go with "Ass Like That" um, <laughs> because you know for, I might not like the guy, but I've been told he is quite thick for a man. So "Ass <laughs> Like That" by Eminem. Uh, no. Also, also "Guilty Conscience." Because that man needs to have a guilty conscience for the evil that he has imposed <laughs> upon us over these past couple years. And I'm going to go with Spacebound because I want to shoot him into space <laughs> and never see him wrestle again. <laughs> I'm and... also going to go with the song Bitch Please. <laughs> Every time I... How about this one? When I'm gone, because I cannot wait for him to fucking leave. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. Uh, but speaking of evil, one thing we've got to talk about last week, uh, evil did do a, a homophobic slur uh, in one of his promos to Shingo Takagi. Yeah, we weren't, we weren't skirting around it. We, we just forgot. <laughs> so, yeah, very controversial. Uh, New Japan scrubbed any reference or record of that from the replay almost immediately. So, you know, um, to be honest, I forget what the word was. I looked it up to kind of get a better understanding of, 
the culture and, you know, what the slur meant, you know, and basically it was like a derogatory term for like homosexuals kind of, uh, related to like drag. Um, yeah. Like a man culture. Up like a woman. Yeah. But basically what he ha- the, the, I guess the rough translation of what he said is he, when he was challenging, uh, Shingo, he asked him like, come on, are you a man or are you, you know, like gay? Yeah. Or, you know, effeminate or whatever, whatever that word is. And, uh, yeah, so it wasn't received well. And, um, yeah, people were pissed. Yeah. Another reason why he just needs to go away. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so we look at the July 31st show. We had uh, Great Bash Heel, Makabe, and Hama defeating Suji and Nagata. Had a Bullet Club team of Chase Owens, ELP, and Taiji defeating Tanahashi, Yano, and Yamura. Then we had the Chaos team of Okada and Eagles, and they teamed with Tiger Mask to defeat Tenzan, Wato, and Taguchi. Semi-main event, we had the LIJ team defeat the Bullet Club team of Dick Togo, Evil, Gato, and Yujiro Takahashi. Uh, post-match, Evil did hit Shingo with the belt and broke it. And we had a question from Dom Homie 101. Any thoughts on Evil breaking the new IWGP World Heavyweight Championship? That's unfortunate that someone would break that beautiful new shining belt. I think... I think maybe they got another, like, it's older and it's not as shiny, but they got another title just in case, like, in the back, that V4 belt, maybe that could come back and just be a placeholder <laughs> for a couple years or so. I don't know. Dude, that would be, like, Evil's best contribution to New Japan, <laughs> breaking the world title so we can get the, the version 4 back. Oh, man. Uh, then the main event, 10-man tag elimination match. We had Suzuki Goon, Despi, Minoru Suzuki, Taichi, Yoshinobu Kanemaru, and Zack Sabre Jr. Defeating the Chaos team of Goto, Sho, Ishii, Yo, and Yoshihashi. Post-match, uh, El Desperado ev- eviscerated Sho and Yo on the mic. We had a question here from Hawaiian Punch BB. After, El- or after El Desperado eviscerated Rapunky 3K in its promo, do you see Rapunky 3K splitting up? How would you book it, or does it mean that they will win the Super Junior Super Junior Tag League again. Uh, so I saw this, but I didn't watch it with the, uh, you know, um, translation. Did you watch the translated per- promo and see what he said? I did. Yeah, he pretty much bared these guys. Talked about, you know, how you know Yo's come back and he's been losing, and you know they they keep winning these tag leagues, but they you know really haven't done anything as as tag champs, and it's you know time for them to to be apart and. Pretty much, Yo is a weak link and kind of holding show down. He pretty much just buried Rapungi 3K and how stale they are. And, you know, they haven't really done anything since Yo's come back. Gotcha. Yeah. Um, that's interesting. I mean, I personally, I wouldn't have them win another record um, World Tag League or, you know, Junior Tag League in a row if it was me. But, uh, who knows? I'm I'm curious to see how it plays out. I don't really have a strong prediction personally. Yeah, I mean, Rapungi 3K, they have to be the favorites, I think, just because of the teams in that tag league. And we'll talk about that t- tag league in a second here. But, uh, again, I wouldn't have them win either, but there might not really be any other option. And so uh, this could just be a kind of a, a Yo story here. And maybe as we look in the Super Junior Tag League, maybe Yo's the one that eats the pinfalls in the beginning, and he's the one that has to like make the comeback at the end to help them win the tournament, something like that. Who knows? Now, uh, before we move on, um, we're going to cover this Sunday show. Uh, I know you've got some great things to say about Jeremy. 
I got to tell you the truth. I didn't see this show. I got all the way through Saturday, August 7th, and I did not find time with my crazy schedule to to watch the August 8th show. It is literally August 1st. Oh, my bad. Yeah, the August 1st uh, show from Sunday. It is something that I'm going to be doing tomorrow in the morning while I'm working. So I'm going to kind of defer to you on some of that. But a few thoughts that I had, because I I don't want to have watched all this other fluff for no reason. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I did think that, you know, the Yumura and Suji matches on the undercards leading up to their final matches have been pretty interesting. On, on the surface, they look like your standard dad Hontai affairs with the with the juniors, but they kind of went out there extra motivated and told kind of unique stories because it's going to be the very last time before they go on excursion that they're in the ring with all these dads and trainers that they've kind of shared the ring with. And so it's kind of almost emotional to a certain extent. Yeah. One one thing I really liked on the, on the Friday, July 30th uh, show – when the match started, like Kojima, um, no, Makabe had Suji and Yumura just fucking bum rush the other team. And they, like, Kojima got speared out of his boots by uh, Suji. Yeah, it was that, awesome. yeah, that was awesome. Right off the rip, yeah. Um, aside from that, you know, you've they've been doing a lot of um, junior tag, different junior tag uh, matches. Like, obviously, a lot of these six and eight man tags have had different combinations of the junior tag teams that are going to be involved in this um, junior tag league. So that's kind of been building. And then the other big feud that's kind of been building is um, the three-way IWGP heavyweight tag team title match that's coming up. And that kind of plays into the main event of the, the Sunday show. But we got a lot of really interesting tag team combinations between chaos and um suzuki goon and the techers as well as um lij and then finally there was one very well oh and along with that and i'm sure you're gonna get into that but like the the interactions between suzuki and ishii as always have just been fire incredible every each night because yeah they were faced off in multiple matches though that that 30th and 31st and then also that that built to the six-man match yeah it was Awesome. What, what one of these uh, ten man tag elimination matches? They ended up where Ishii and Suzuki were on the outside, and Suzuki just kept smashing with the chair until they both got Double counted count out, out for the yeah. twenty count. And he cared less about winning the match and count and cared more about you know inflicting damage on Ishii heading into that title match. So that was pretty cool. Another thing too, um, the interactions between Robbie Eagles. And El Fantasma have just fucking ruled. Yes. And I cannot wait for the day that we get a junior tag team or a junior uh, IWGP junior heavyweight title match between those two guys because I feel like that maybe is next. If you I can, can get, be wrong. If you can get past Hiromu. Possibly. But if, uh, it almost feels like they're like kind of teasing it right now, you know? Yeah. So, like, I don't know. That is kind of influencing my feelings about whether he's going to get past Romo. And then um, the last thing is they kind of told a, a little bit of a, a short-running story here where each night um, when the LIJ teams were facing off, Bushi was picking up all the wins. Mm. And um, I didn't even get a chance to really point this out, but I've been thinking it for a few weeks now. 
Boosie with uh without the the mouth cut out with just the full face mask, a lot more appealing. <laughs> I for some reason I like Desperado a lot more when he has his mouth cut out and like the paint, but like because he's with the paint, you know what I'm yeah. saying? <laughs> but but uh but Boosie, I think Boosie needs he needs to just keep the whole shit covered. And I'm wondering if that's like COVID related, you know? I don't know. Yeah, I feel like he's he's done a couple different mask designs in the last year or so so i don't yeah i don't know if it's because of a COVID thing or he's just trying something different i don't know he's been doing it for like a couple months now yeah but that's gonna um lead us into sunday august 1st a lot of good stuff here i can't wait to check out this show but jeremy take us through it what were your thoughts yeah so show opened up we had yuya mora's farewell match opening the show and he uh faced off against kazuchika okada uh lost in 12 minutes and 19 seconds really good match here yamora was ready to run it right from the bell. Okada was very cautious. Match started off kind of slow, typical Okada fashion. A lot of really good uh, chain wrestling here. At one point, Yumura pulling guard, trying to get Okada in his guard. It's a lot of really solid wrestling here. Yumura uh, looking for Kimura at one point in the match, um, hitting some brutal drop kicks. Um, really, kick, you know, just kind of matching Okada drop kick for drop kick here. Then it got to a point where Okada was kind of challenging him strike-wise, and he tried to knock out Okada, but uh, couldn't do it. Uh, he Bro, had... you don't you don't drop kick with a drop kicker. You know <laughs> yeah, what I'm right. saying? Yeah. Um, he, he hit his beautiful, you know, overhead belly-to-belly on Okada uh, for you know good near fall there. Then Okada stops him with uh, two mini Rainmakers, gets the money clip. Uh, Yamura taps out immediately. Uh, post-match, Okada helps him up and hits him a big drop kick as his uh, send-off present. <laughs> Uh, Okada hit him with another drop kick after the match. Yeah. <laughs> wow. You know, I think that really is saying something that his final match in the company was against Okada. Um, I feel like was Watto's last match in the company against Tanahashi. I don't know. I'll, I'll, I'll look that up while you're kind of covering this, but you know, I don't know. I think about like Okada's last match in the company before he left was against Tanahashi. Tanahashi so, yeah. That might be kind of foreshadowing, like how they see him and his potential for down the line when he might be able to come back. You know? Yeah, yeah, they might see this man as a future ace. Very possibly. But the next match we had Yotosuji's farewell match, and he finally gets his match here with Tetsuya Naito. Uh, and the big W. <laughs> <laughs> no, unfortunately, Suji was not able to get the win here over Naito. Uh, but I thought Suji looked great in this match. Um, similar to that that match where he kind of rushed in on Kojima, he rushed in on Naito here with a big shoulder block. And they had this awesome lucha sequence uh, after that. And uh, Suji hit this big uh, Teharis on Naito. Uh, a lot of kind of lucha-based offense here, the, the overhand chop strike exchanges. And uh, Suji was just rocking Naito at certain points in this match. But uh, Naito would uh, get back in. Um, and kind of get back control, but uh, Suji would come back with some scoop slams, hit the running senton, the Mount Suji, another great uh, strike exchange, um, locks in the, the Boston Crab, but Naito's able to escape, uh, another kind of great closing stretch here, but Naito hits him with an Enzi, gets him in a, like a lion tamer version of the Boston Crab, and Suji taps out to Naito. Hmm. Yeah, I took a look, and for some reason, I don't know why, but I, I don't know where I thought Kawato ever wrestled Tanahashi as a singles because, like, 
his last singles matches were in that uh, Young Lions Cup from 2017, mm. and then and then he left the company in early 2018 after the uh, Fantascomania. We were covering it back then, so I don't know why I thought his last singles match against a graduated single star in, in New Japan was against Kushida in mm. late late 2017. So I don't know. Yeah, not not the same thing at all. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we had some questions here on the Young Lions uh, farewell. First from uh, Red User Templar two three five. What do you think are the most likely excursion destinations for Suji and Yamura? Suji desperately wants to lucha in Mexico, but how realistic is that in the current pandemic situation? Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know where they end up. Uh, we've kind of gotten this question a lot, and I I think we've speculated a lot. Um, you know, the funny thing is like. I don't know. I was thinking about this the other day while we were dri- I was driving. And do you remember back in the day we used to get this question about other young lions? And I'd always say that I kind of thought like if they could mend the fence, that impact might be a really good place for people to go. Yeah. <laughs> like like years ago. And I was like, but that will never happen. That could happen. And that might not be like the worst case scenario for someone to like go to the U.S. and, you know, do shots working impact. I know it's not the same you know, company and they don't do a lot of, uh, live touring, but you know, that's a possibility. Right. I mean, the, the U S in general, I think is a great spot because yeah, they can work impact. They can work, you know, dark elevation, dynamite rampage. They can work strong. They can work independent indies. scene. They can work yeah. PWG. PWG is back in action. They could do that. One thing I've wondered about too, um, let's say you do go to the LA, uh, dojo. What's keeping them from potentially crossing that border, which is, Right there, it is L.A. after all, and going and doing some shots in Mexico, you know, and basing out of Los Angeles, you know, that is a possibility, I think. Yeah, that's a great point. I think the only thing that would stop them right now are the the COVID restrictions and... Yeah, I I don't know all the rules. I know you don't really need, like, a passport to get into Mexico, but to get into the U.S., you kind of do, but maybe they could work that out. I don't know. Yeah. Uh, next question from EMJSPR. What will you remember most about Suji and Yamura's time as Young Lions? Ah, man, that is a tough question. Um, I think Yamura just wanting a death wish uh, <laughs> against Suzuki, probably most likely. And then for Suji, the thing that I'll always remember the most is his undying devotion to Tanahashi. Yes, that man loves him some ace. You know, you can always count on on Suji to you know get the crowd going for Tanahashi. Um, and of course, I always remember just their, their series of matches, the amount of draws that they used to have, and just you know how much they've improved over time that we've seen them. I mean, they've been young lines for a few years now, and so just seeing them grow and starting off with all of those multiple draws they used to have, and then to the point where they are at now. Yes. Uh, next question from Muzza. Where would you two personally prefer Suji Moro go on excursion if you had to make the decision? I mean, pretty much what we've said in the past. Um, I think I'd prefer, you know, uh, Yumora to go to the UK and Suji to go to Mexico. But I don't know how realistic or beneficial those options would be today. Right now, I kind of feel like maybe sending both of them to the U.S. might be the best decision. Yeah, I think the U.S. might be the safest, maybe easiest bet right now. And then, you know, 
once things glare up, yeah, you can maybe send one to the UK, send one to Mexico. Hey, did you, you could. You, oh, go ahead. You could send Suji to Jersey and have him work GCW, become a ghoul wrestler, <laughs> you know? Get some cheese graters, some fluorescent light tubes, barbed wire, come back, introduce a whole new style of wrestling. Bro, he's got the body type and the, the constitution to do it. And then for Yumora, um, I'd probably have him work like all Japan and win the triple title and then bring that triple title over to new Japan and never bring it back and just say, fuck you guys. <laughs> like it's like, like it's the ECW NWA title match deal from 1994. <laughs> we don't need this title. Yeah. Uh, I was also thinking like Australia and New Zealand could potentially be a destination. You know, they've been doing a lot of work. They've done shows in Australia. They have the the Fale Dojo out there That's in New Zealand. That's not a bad decision at all. Um, go out there and wrestle. You know, some of the we've guys... heard great things about PCW Ultra and MCW and everything like that. No, not PCW, MCW, and some of the other companies down there. That's not a bad decision. Um, what I was gonna say is, I would like for Yumura to like cut a promo and be like, you know, in the tradition of Mitsuhara Mizawa. Giant Baba, you know, Kenta Kobashi, you know, Vader, Stan Hansen, and they can all kiss my ass. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and then and he takes the three belts and he throws them down. And he's like, why would I want to be the champion of a dead, dying promotion? <laughs> <laughs> Bro, you know how many people will be mad at that? <laughs> Bro, be so... <laughs> For the uh, Steve Williamses. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. God, God, these belts are beautiful, Dad. <laughs> uh, uh, then the last question here from Dom Homie 101. Thoughts on the farewell matches of Suji Nomura? What does the future hold for both these guys when they return to Japan? Sky's the limit. Yeah, I mean, it's very hard to predict, like, what's you know, the future when these guys come back. Cause like we said before, like I would have not predicted Oka being the great Okan. I would have not predicted Kawato being master Wato. Um, so you never know what gimmick they're going to have when they come back, but based off their last matches, they, they face the ace and the dark ace. I have a feeling that they're going to slot these guys or try to slot them pretty high when they come back. The only thing I think you can try to do is to the best of your ability, assess where you think they are now assess how long you think it would take for them to prep and come back, you know, whatever timetable you think that is, and then try to extrapolate what you expect new Japan to look like at that time frame. you know, where, what other stars are working in the company, where are they in the totem pole, what holes are even available for them to come in and apply their trade. You know, there's just so many variables. It's always hard to kind of guesstimate. One thing I have found to be helpful, though, is uh, not always, but oftentimes how they're portrayed and received on their excursion, what kind of protections they're given, what kind of opportunities they're afforded, and how much they're, um, they progress usually are key indicators as to what might be you know their usage when they do return. You know, kind of look at uh, like Hiromu's excursion. 
and contrast his in Mexico and contrast that with Watto's. I think you've got two key indicators where they both ended up day one when they came back to the company. They're starkly different. Yeah, good point. So finishing up the rest of this card here, so we have the Bullet Club team of Chase Owens, ELP, and Taiji Mori defeating the Chaos team of Sho, Yo, and Toriano. Like I've been mentioning, they've been doing that, that post-match stuff of getting uh, Yano to say, I quit on the microphone. Then a semi-main event here, we had the LIJ team of Bushi Sonata and Shingo defeating the Bullet Club team of Dick Togo, Evil, and Yuro Takahashi. Then our main event, we had the never-open-weight six-man tag team titles, the Chaos team of Hiroki Goto, Tomohiro Ishii, and Yoshihashi successfully defend against the Suzuki-gun team of Minoru Suzuki, Taichi, and Zack Sabre Jr. And there's a little bit of a little mini-story here. With um, We mentioned Ishii and Suzuki kind of going at it, and Ishii said that if... Uh, they didn't. If Suzuki Gun couldn't win, that it should become Taichi Gun. Um, so some interesting uh, comments there from Ishii. But this match was freaking awesome. I went four and a quarter on this. Like all six of these guys just have great chemistry. Especially you know Ishii and Suzuki were in there killing it. Um, Tekers and uh, Goto and Yoshihashi have good chemistry. Like. It was just an awesome matchup, and yeah, it went 35 minutes, but with, with six guys and, and the pace they worked and the spots they did, it, it was just an awesome, hard-hitting match. It's a ton of, of great near falls towards the end there. Um, Goto ends up getting the win on Suzuki. They did the, uh, the GYW combo, him and Yoshihashi. Uh, they pinned Suzuki to get the win here. Yeah, I, I got to check this out. I'm hearing really great things. You know, you look at that that team that they went into the match with Suzuki, Taichi, and Zack Sabre Jr., and it's like they could have easily thrown Doki in that spot, and you, you sort of have the out. But once you have Suzuki there, it's like, oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, speaking of Doki, yeah, Yoshihashi, after the match, he was like, I felt like Doki could have given more effort than Suzuki. This man was, you know, bold <laughs> after they won the match. Uh, but, yeah, just tons of greats. I mean, they, they hit all their great spots. You know, Yoshihashi was doing his Western Lariat and his big moves. Taichi with the, with the Kawada kicks and dangerous suplex. And Zuki and, and Sabre doing some of their old double-team moves from Rev Pro. And, yeah, just so many great strikes and counters and maneuvers and near falls and double-triple-team moves and guys coming in like, this was awesome. Like, this was just hard-hitting, awesome action. Like I said, four and a quarter, early, you know, front-runner for a match of the month. And, yeah, great stuff here from these guys. Uh, awesome. We had a question here from Viking Pain. It says, do you guys think this Suzuki-gun, Taichi-gun thing that tai- that Ishii proposed would lead to anything? Or was this just another case of wrestlers just saying things and that all this will just be swept under the rug? I wouldn't call it swept under the rug. Could it be a breadcrumb shirt? But like you just mentioned, there's lots of times where the, these guys have leeway and they say stuff. And I mean, you know, until until we I think until you see some sort of um, evidence that the internal members of Suzuki Goon are starting to have any inclination to think along those lines. There's no reason to think that that's happening. Yeah, pretty much there. Uh, then next question from Dom Homie 101, he says, what? Who would be the trios that will eventually dethrone the trio of Ishii, Goto, and Yoshihashi as never open with six-man champions? I am going with the winner of the LOX versus Dipset battle that will be taking place tonight at the Madison Square Garden. 
who? (laughs) (laughs) Who the fuck is that? (laughs) I know. I've heard of Dipset. I don't know who LOX is. Are you sure it's not locks? Like when you go to like a Jewish um, deli and you ask for some locks on your bagel? Because that's what it sounds like. Bro, I I have no idea. (laughs) (laughs) Give me some schmear with some locks. (laughs) Make sure there's capers on it. Um, MJ does PR asked on a scale oh, well, of torture. Uh, before you get to that question, uh, I forgot to mention we did a uh, post match. Naito, Sonata, and Bushi came out to uh, challenge a six man champ. So we are going to be getting a, a never six man match coming up with Sonata, Naito, and Bushi challenging the Chaos team. So through the course of the Dangerous Techers, defense, you know, having potential uh, defenses against both. Goto and Ishii in a rematch against former champions um, Sonata and Naito. Somehow that turned into the six-man tag team titles getting defended back-to-back by different trios. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Uh, one thing we, we forgot to answer this question. I mean, do you have a team that in mind that you think should beat this team for the belts? I mean, if there was going to be any team, I mean, that, that dangerous Tekker Suzuki team I thought could have been a great unit to, to beat them um, outside. I, we're at the point where it's like they've had it so long and defended it in so many classics. There is unrefutable proof that they're the greatest never champions of all time. So one has to kind of ask yourself, do you have a another team get the rub by beating them? Like an mm. underdog team, you know? And, you know, does that kind of honor their legacy by going that route? Or do you say, we need to keep this momentum going and we do, like, you know, a fucking, you know, thugged out, you know, six-man, like, monster trio, kind of like what we just saw here? There is one unit I thought about, uh, United Empire. You do uh, Cobb, Ocon, and Hanare. That's a great call. That's a great call. I was thinking the super elite, but that's a great call. Mm. Uh, how mad would people be if, like, Kenny and the Bucks just came in and took that <laughs> shit? <laughs> the belt collectors here, boys. We want those narrow six-man <laughs> six belts. <laughs> Kenny walks out with, like, eight belts, even though, like, even though the Bucks are also champions, they're like, we don't feel like holding them tonight. So Kenny's walking out like he's fucking Ultimo Dragon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Oh, man. Um, yeah, I don't know. But I, I'm excited. I, at this point, like, any defense they have can be their last at this point. Right. And that makes it exciting. Yeah, these Never Six Man titles have been highlights the whole year, no matter what show they're on. They've been having great matches. Uh, great teams have been challenging. It's been great stuff. Jeremy, they're the tag team of the year. Oh, yeah. Hands down. Like, like they're the tag. I, I have a fear that when voting time comes, they're not going to get the votes. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm not going to say this during the award show, so I got to I got to say my piece now. <laughs> I feel like it'll be that be like that year when the Young Bucks won, but really it was War Machine. War Machine, they were truly the the tag team of the year and they got fucking robbed. Um I feel like we could run into something like that again where like Dangerous Techers win because they're kind of in the more high profile spot and ha- they have had classics. I mean, I wouldn't dispute that they're up there, but like dude, nobody's touching this Chaos tag team. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, interesting. Um, MJ Dez PR asked us, on a scale of torture rack, 
to electric chair. How painful is it going to be to watch the Super Junior Tag League this year? Man, yeah, Super Junior Tag League, it's not not the best uh, lineup here. And we'll talk about that here in a second here, but... What, what um, if you had to take a guess for yourself, in your opinion, what do you think is, like, the most painful, like, wrestling hold, you know? If you had to describe what this is like. Uh, I don't know, I, I can kind of picture myself being in a torture rack and just, you know... Lex just having me up, just racking me as I'm watching. I'm like, no more, no more. <laughs> you know, I don't want to break kayfabe, but I don't think that torture rack ever hurt anybody. Like, that oh, yeah. shit don't look like it. <laughs> that, 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 that's like the lightest hold. I think, like, uh, I'm going to go with Stu Hart's uh, sugar hold. Mm. Stretch, yeah. Stretch it, man. Give me your eye, so we got some shows coming up uh, over the next couple, you know, week or so. Um, on Saturday, August seventh, we have Summer Struggle with Tenzan Makabe and Yano taking on the Bull Club team of Chase, Jado, and Yujiro. Second match of the night, we have Goto Ishii and Yoshihashi teaming up to take oh with uh, Hanma to take on the Lij team of Bushi, Sonata, Shingo, and Naito. Uh, we have the kickoff for the Junior Tag League. As Robbie Eagles and Tiger Mask take on the Bull Club team of Dick Togo and Gato. Fourth match of the night, continued tag league match as Wato and Taguchi take on Suzuki Goon. And then the main event, Rapongi 3K takes on the Bull Club team for the Super Junior Tag League 2021. Then on August 8th, oh, you want to say something? I just remembered something. At the, at the, I did want to touch on this. So at the end of that show, when you know, Rapongi 3K was getting ripped to shreds by El Desperado. I just thought to myself, oh God, Rapongi 3K versus Suzuki Goon is going to be a highlight of the fucking Super Junior Tag League for like the third or fourth year in a row. I can, like, we can't get away from this <laughs> fucking feud. It's a feud that never ends, it goes on and on, my friend. Dude, they're worse than Cena and like Orton. <laughs> Fight forever. <laughs> Please don't. Oh man. But now we move on to uh, the August eighth show on Sunday, five thirty a.m. start time Eastern on New Japan World. Great Bash Hila and Yano taking on the Bull Club team of Owens, Jado, and Yudro. Chaos team of Goto, Ishii, Yoshihashi will team with Satoshi Kojima. To take on all of Lij, then we'll have some more Super Junior Tag League action. We have Despian Kanemaru against Dick Togo and Gato, Eagles and Tiger Mask against Rapungi 3K, and then the main event will be Master Wato and Rizuki against the Bullet Club team of ELP and Taiji Shimori. Monday, August 9th, Summer Struggle continues. We got Tenzan, Hanma, and Yano taking on Bullet Club team of Owens, Jado, and Ujiro. Second match, the Chaos team of Goto, Ishii, and Yoshihashi team with Makabe to take on the LIJ team of Bushi, Sonata, Shingo, and Naito. And then we continue with the Junior Tag League action as we get Dick Togo and Gato of the Bull Club taking on El Phantasmo and Taiji Ishimori of the Bull Club. Fourth match of the night, Robbie Eagles and Tiger Mask team up to take on the Suzuki Yun team of Desperado and Kanemaru. And then the main event will be Master Wato and Rizuki Taguchi taking on Rapongi 3K. And then the last show before we record again will be 
August 10th, as Summer Struggle continues, 5 a.m. Eastern Time on New Japan World, we have Master Wato, Deguchi, and Hanma taking on Despi, Zuki, and Kanamaru. We're going to have Eagles and Yano teaming with Tiger Mask to take on Chase Owens, ELP, and Taiji Shimori. Then a Punky 3K, Shou Yo, and Togi Makabe taking on the Bullet Club team of Dick Togo, Evil, and Gato. In the semi-main event, we have a special singles match. Yujiro Takahashi will take on Shingo Takagi. And then the main event will be for the Never Openweight six-man tag team titles as Goto Ishii Yoshihashi will defend against Bushi, Sonata, and Tetsuya Naito. Um, so before we continue, one thing I just want to say, um, I'm going to be sad to see you more in Suji Go, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, they, they've been literally, like, they debuted in the early goings of this uh, podcast. We literally watched them from, like, their debut, and now we've seen them go. And, I, you know, who knows how long it'll be before they come back, but, like, damn, man. Like, no young lines on the undercards of these shows. Right. I know there is, I believe, Yuto, Yuto is the one young line that got hurt. I mean, he's been out there, and I feel like I've seen another new young line that's been out there with him, so... Yuto, man, he's injury prone, bro. <laughs> oh man. Um, last thing. So, oh, go ahead. Real quick, any any predictions on who's winning the Super Junior Tag League? That's what I was gonna say. Like, do you have any thoughts on this tag league? Any any insights? Anything you want to add? I mean, I don't. Um, any thoughts on these teams? Any hot takes, Jeremy? I predictions. Mean, I really don't have any hot takes. I mean. Looking at it, I feel like there's a, couple, a few teams that kind of stand out. Obviously, you have Despi and Kanemaru, you have Rapungi 3K, and then I think ELP and Taiji are probably your your three favorites that could potentially win. With ELP and Taiji being the champs, they're probably not going to win. So it's probably going to come down to Suzuki Goon and Rapungi 3K. Yeah. I mean, with there being no outside talents, no newcomers, no Hiromu Takahashi, and in 2021, the inclusion of a Dick Togo Gato tag team. I just don't know how jazzed up I could be for this. Plus, Sho and Yo are still, you know, what are they the three times back to back winners? Yeah, what, 2017? Or, or are they the four time back to back winners? I think they won. I think it's three. I think it's 2017, 18, and 19, I think. And last year. Well, last year wasn't a, technically a Super Junior Tag League. I don't think it was. I think it was just like a regular, a random like. Oh, a tournament. Yeah, like that power struggle thing that they did. That's right. Okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna verify, but I mean, dude, looking at that list, I mean, it's it's hard for me to like get jazzed up, you know. Yeah. 18, 17, 18, 19. Yep, you're correct. Yeah, I mean, not not the. You know, most exciting lineup, and I get it. You can't get a lot of juniors in for this tournament. They're using what they have, but man. Okay, well, let, let's do it this way. Okay, if if um, let me just go through the list real quick. If Rapongi three K won again, would you be excited? No. If Wato and Taguchi won, would you be excited? No. If Despi and Kanemaru won, would you be excited? No. If Eagles and Tiger Mask won, would you be excited? No. <laughs> if ELP and Ishimori won, would you be excited? Eh, might be interesting, but I don't know. 
also keep in mind they're the reigning champions. Yeah. So. Uh, yeah. And then finally, you got yeah. I'm right there with you. I I, I feel that. I'm like kind of like eh, maybe. But then I'm like, but then they're the champions. So what's next? You right. know. And then uh, Dick Toto, Dick Togo, and Gato. Like if they win, maybe I might. Just as a as a fan of chaos, maybe I would like that, you know, just <laughs> the sheer carnage of like, what the fuck does that mean if Togo and Gato win this shit? Like, yeah. But overall, like, what what's a standout match you see here, Jeremy? Like, is there one match that you're like, oh shit, that's can't miss? <sighs> Not really. I mean, Rapungi three K against ELP and Taiji. Whenever that happens, that'll probably be good. Um. I'll tell you the only team I'm kind of semi excited for is Robbie Eagles and the Tiger Mask, and only because we haven't seen Tiger Mask in a while, and he's kind of, you know, he goes on these old man runs in these tournaments and like decides to work hard. Yeah, but he's essentially Robbie's pin eater. So, but that their matches might kind of be fun. Like maybe the ELP and Ishimori against Eagles and Tiger Mask match might be. Something to look out for, but I mean, bro, there's, there's, there's no, there's not one. We don't even have mega coaches. Like I thought, maybe Rocky would be in this. Yeah, I guess Rocky had to come back for you know run stuff for resurgence. Yeah, he had to work work out the contract negotiations with Leo Rush before he <laughs> wins the title. <laughs> <sighs> so that those are my those are my thoughts. There's not a single team I'm excited about. There's not a single match I'm excited about. And the only thing I'm thinking is like, okay, well, maybe we could set up some sort of title match down the line for Eagles, but like we already know he's getting Hiromu next. So is there even, you know, what, what, what is, why are we doing this well, other than just to fill You could have ELP pin Eagles and then Eagles beats Hiromu and then ELP is like, I pinned you, I'm, I'm next. And you know what? That's pretty competent, and that's kind of what I was already thinking was probably going to happen. Yeah. You know, pin them through nefarious means, as they like to do. You know, a a sudden death. Right. Is that what it's called? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So, I don't know, man. Um, I I guess I'm going to pick – see, that's the hard part, though. ELP and Ishimori don't – they shouldn't win this, so – but I don't think Sho and Yo should go back to back to back to back to back. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm picking, I don't know, fuck it, Dick Togo and Gato. Like, <laughs> oh man, I don't know. I, 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 you know what? Maybe Robbie Eagles and Tiger Mask go on a miracle run so that he can get a title shot against El Fantasma and Ishimori. So that whichever one beats him in in, in that match mm. can t- can turn around and get a tile shot because where have we heard that story from before? <laughs> That's been the story all year. <laughs> all year. So uh, I, I'm gonna go for Bongi 3K. <laughs> <laughs> you mean Rapongi 4K? Like yes. bro. The greatest junior the- tag team of all time. The greatest junior tag team with the shortest library of great matches in the history of professional wrestling. Damn. (laughs) (laughs) I think here's what I would call them. Rapungi 3K is the goodest junior tag team of all time. I mean, bar none, the 
fucking goodest. When you want to show someone a really fucking good junior tag team, you show them a Punky 3K. But when you want to show them a great junior tag team, you do not fucking show them Rapunga 3K. What's the really great Rapunga 3K match that you could think of? The Bucks match? The Bucks matches? Yeah. That happened three years ago? <laughs> that was just a footnote on the Bucks literally hundreds of great matches. These guys got, I don't know, four, five, six. Most of them are with fucking Desperado and Kanemaru. Like, I don't know, man. Yeah. That but to me... Show and Yo are bona fide singles guys that just happen to be a tag team. Yeah. They're like Rapungi 3.5 stars right now. They're the anti-Evil and Sonata. <laughs> Evil and Sonata, bro, during this um this little tour, I've been watching the undercards, and like Evil is perfectly fine as a, as a tag guy. He hits all the right moments you know he's a good tag wrestler but he's a bad singles wrestler and sonata's a good singles wrestler but a great tag wrestler you know yeah and that's showing you are good tag wrestlers but they're great singles guys yeah one one day they'll, they'll break a lot up. of people are not ready to have that conversation <laughs> but it's, it's time to start a dialogue <laughs> <laughs> so uh, we got some we got some news here. Um, Tokon Shop Global presents Hiroshi Tanahashi's online meet and greet on August 12th. What? What do I have to do? <laughs> yeah, go on uh, NJPW1972.com. All the details there. I believe it's they do. It do through. I get to actually like interact with him personally? Maybe. I, I have not done any of these meet and greets that they've done. They've done a few now like with Kenta and a couple other guys. Uh, Liger. Um, so, yeah. You ch- check it out. Let us know how the process works. Any of you marks out there been, been joining these things, you let us know so I can uh, join join the ranks of marks because I, I might want to attend if Tanahashi's there. See, I, I, I meant Tanahashi in the flesh in New Orleans. Bro, Tanahashi fucking pointed at me, bro. Don't even start this. Bro, okay, I've got spe- I got a special bond with Hiroshi Tanahashi. I was right there next to the ace. Okay, anyways, uh, Mr. No Days Off, Fred Rosser, the suntan Superman, was interviewed. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you laughing? Uh, dude, I don't do <laughs> You're laughing because you didn't put suntan Superman in the copy, but but I added, because that's his nickname, bro. Yeah, I know you're a big Fred Rosser fan. You know what's fucked up about that? <laughs> that man's not suntanned. That's, that, that's his natural skin color you know what i'm saying yeah. like and, and, nor, you, and nor is he a superman or a super wrestler I, that's besides the point like it that'd be like i don't know being like acting like if you weren't in the sun you wouldn't be dark like bro it's fucked up like <laughs> embrace your identity you're not suntan <laughs> superman you're us <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah check out that interview i i believe it's from uh he got interviewed on it's on world, right? It's on uh, NJPW1972.com. It's a written interview. Oh, okay, gotcha. Um, twenty percent off all Lij goods on Tokon Shop Global, so check that out. And then the Monday free match of the week: Carl Anderson and Doc Gallows versus Togi Makabe and Tomoaki Hanma in the finals of the World Tag League. I believe that's from 2016. Yeah, I think that's the year. So yeah, 
once again, Good Brothers getting some uh, more airtime this week, and so also they're building that match. That match is good though. Oh, yeah, it's one of the few. Like, yeah, it's it's pretty good. That's gonna do it for the news. So we got some questions. Recommend match of the week, and we're gonna close this shit out. Yeah. So uh, first question here from Muzza. He says he's been trying to watch more Misawa matches from Noah. What matches has he had from New Japan? You say are worth watching? Not a damn thing. <laughs> When's the last time you heard us uh, come out here and pimp a, a fucking Mitsuhara Mizawa match in New Japan? Not at all. <laughs> I I don't know. I'm gonna I'll go to cage match and see. Uh, there was okay. I will say this: there was a tag team match where him and Liger tag team together in New Japan, which was like kind of crazy. You know, um, he only had two New Japan matches, first off. And let's see. Oh, you know what? I'm sorry. There's only two recommended matches um, of his, and one of them is him as Tiger Mask in 1990. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it, it appears his highest-rated match is Goto and Nakamura against Mizawa and Segura from J- the Tokyo Dome show on January 4th, 2009. I don't really remember that match, but that actually sounds kind of cool. Yeah, that, that sounds like it would be a fun match. Let me see how many matches he ever had in New Japan because, like, I, I mean, it, it, he didn't have very many, you know? Yeah. Um... One, two, three, four, five total. And one of them was that All Japan, New Japan, WWF Summit show. So that one doesn't even really count. So technically only four. And the match that I was talking about, it's... um, Did this ever... Oh, yeah, it did happen. Okay. Mizawa and Fujinami in the Tokyo Dome. This is from May 14, 2005 against Liger and Chono. I mean, that's... That's as fire pro of a match as you could ever possibly get. <laughs> yeah. I don't think the match is great or anything, but I mean, just the idea of seeing Mizawa and Fujinami team up to take on Liger and Chono, that's pretty awesome. Um, May 2nd, 2002, he wrestled Chono to a 30 minute time limit draw in the Tokyo Dome. That's nothing to write home about. And then you got that rise, mat- rise against uh, Mizawa and Segura from 09. Those are the only three matches he ever had as Mizawa in New Japan. So they're few and far between. I, I, If I was you, I'd maybe check out the one from 2009. It's probably on New Japan World. Nice. Uh, next set of questions here from Hawaiian Punch BV. First, it says, how excited are you that Evil versus The Fiend is now a possibility? All joking aside, while I don't want a character like Bray Wyatt slash The Fiend would work in New Japan, I can see Wyndham Rotunda as a big, brawly Gaijin hoss, once-in-a-while attraction working, something like the pain maker Chris Jericho. He has shown that if he is in there with the right people, he can have a good match. If by the right people you mean Brian, uh, Brian Danielson, yes, I agree with you. <laughs> yes. He- <laughs> <laughs> um... You know what, man? I'll tell you this much. I would not want to see Fiend in New Japan, but I don't think you're completely wrong. Is there 
some sort of timeline where he reinvents himself and comes to Japan and like wows us with his creativity and his work, maybe. But I wouldn't I wouldn't bet on it. You know what I mean? So like I have no anticipation for it. They'd have to show me before I ever got stoked for it in any way, shape, or form. I wouldn't definitely not advocate for it. And I saw a lot of people advocating for it because I don't you know what I think it is? WWE fans loved him, right? Right. Just loved him. And most of those WWE fans hate AEW. So the obvious choice of where he should go next is probably AEW because it's the other big company. But they don't want him to go there and be successful. Oh, my God. Could you imagine if he goes to AEW and then succeeds? <laughs> It'd be a meltdown. Like, yeah. So I think a lot of those people are in turn wanting him to go to New Japan because it's the, the other big company. And in their minds, they're like, well, you know, New Japan's not a threat, you know. If this was like four years ago, they would not want him to go to New Japan. But now that it's you know, oh, New Japan's fine. They're 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 cool. He can go there and you know he'll tear it up. Gato should give him a call. No, bro, just no. Yeah, I'm not trying to see Husky Harris, Bray Wyatt, The Fiend, Wyndham Rotunda. I don't care what gimmick he is. I'm not really trying to see this man jump in my New Japan. Blackjack Wyatt. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, IRS Junior. Yeah, IRS El, El Hijo de IRS. <laughs> oh man. Uh, next question, non NJPW pure question. Dragon Gate legend Masato Yoshino has retired. What are your favorite matches of his? Why does Bushiroad allow Shingo Takagi and Milano Collection AT to send their tributes in video form, but not allow wrestlers to send tribute videos for the Hanakamura Memorial Show? You know, Yoshino is a legend, but I'm just not as up on Dragon Gate as I am other promotions, to be honest with you. Um, I'm pretty sure there's a Yoshino match that I love with him and Shingo, but I, I'm not as familiar with him as everybody else is. Yeah, same here. I've never really gotten into Dragon Gate, even though anytime I see it or watch it, it's awesome. I just... And had a time to follow it, and so I know Yoshino. Yeah, he's a legend. I've seen clips and highlights, and I know he's done a ton of stuff. But I can't, you know, say a good faith with a match that I would recommend. Obviously, cage match would probably be the best spot to go. Obviously, there's the ROH six man tag from uh, March 31st. That's like the really, really, really famous one that everyone here knows. Is that the one with like Dragon Kids in that match? Also, yeah. Okay, I, ha- I have seen that match. Yeah, but um, yeah, I'm kind of I'm looking at his um, at his cage match. I mean, there's there's a lot here. There's a lot, and it's all very highly rated stuff. But yeah, I'm just I'm not as familiar with Yoshino or a lot of the the Dragon Gate guys, to be honest with you. Yeah, I like Mochizuki. <laughs> uh, as far as the question about like. Video tributes, I, I have no idea why they would let Shingo and Collection AT do stuff for this show and not for the Stardom show. Yeah, and I don't know if that's like a Bushi Road decision or a New Japan versus Stardom decision or TV Acai versus whatever, you know, uh, TV station Stardom's on. So I'm not sure where that directive comes from. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's hard. I, I, I'm not opposed to being like, it is Bougie Road. I just don't know that that's the case, though. Right. 
Uh, his next comment says, AJ McKee, that is all. Did AJ McKee do something cool? Uh, I guess so. Maybe he won a fight, maybe. Um, yeah, it looks like he fucked someone up at Bellator. Oh, he he beat he knocked out Pitbull. Oh shit! <laughs> 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 you know, I knew I knew Pitbull had a big match coming up, but I, you know, I don't, I haven't been keeping up with uh, Bellator. Bellator like that, yeah. Yeah, the only Bellator I keep up with is when uh, Jake Hager's on. <laughs> uh, the only ones I keep up with are the ones where either Fedor's fighting, um, Kimbo Slice, or Ken Shamrock. <laughs> <laughs> uh, his last question here, thoughts on Derek Lewis versus uh, Cyril Gain, another masterclass from Gain, or another comeback KO from Lewis? Oh, wow. It looks like he uh, guillotine choked uh, Patricio in the very first round and that won him the world grand prix as well as the world title. So that's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, I didn't watch that tournament. Uh, I must, you know, I feel bad for Derek Lewis because I wanted Derek Lewis to get that cash out fight against, um, uh, and Ganu and it, it's probably not going to happen against gain, honestly. So yeah, gain probably beats him, but with Derek Lewis, I mean, you know, he's always got a puncher's chance. So it's hard to say. Yeah, I'm. I would. I would put my money on game probably. Yeah, but yeah, like you said, you never know. Lewis, he always kind of has like a lot of times you think he's gonna lose, and he just kind of hits a, a wild right and ends up winning. So we'll see what happens. Our next question from Viking Payne says: With the Delta variant running wild all over the country, especially in major unvaccinated places like the South, and the mask mandates possibly being brought back, even if you're vaccinated by the CDC, do you guys think sporting events would be forced to shut down again, or is it too late to put that genie back in the bottle? I'll stay safe, because I hear Florida is an absolute mess right now. Yeah, it, it's hard to say, man. Um, it's definitely a problem, but I will say this. Um, this. This isn't to say that there aren't... And I'm not like a pro or anti-vax guy. I'm not left or right. I don't really give a fuck about any of that stuff, really. But um, I will say this. There are cases, and it's proven now, where vaccinated people have contracted the Delta variant and have either been asymptomatic and, you know, passed it or have gotten sick. And some people have even ended up in the hospital. So it's not like that's not a possibility. But uh, looking at the nearest, the uh, most recent numbers, it is from what they've reported, it's like about 0.08% chance you're going to get seriously sick from the Delta variant if you are vaccinated. So it doesn't mean you have full immunity or full protection, but like, you know, it does mean that your chances of survival and, you know, your chances of going unfazed are a lot higher. The majority of people in the South specifically who are suffering the most dire consequences from this are those who are unvaccinated, you know, yeah. and I'm not here and I'm not here to, you know, to say, Oh, everyone needs to be vaccinated. You know, there, there are some people who are immunocompromised who can't take it, like can't get vaccinated. You know, there are special circumstances. So, you know, it's not a universal across the board thing where everybody should be vaccinated, but the majority of people probably should be, um, that would probably be good for their health and well-being. And most of the people that are, getting fucked up by this thing are those who aren't vaccinated. You know, the crazy thing though, is if you look at the numbers, there's definitely a lot of people dying, but 
but it seems that this Delta variant is less deadly than the original COVID SARS-2 that came here. This one seems to be a lot more contractable and more highly contagious, but the death rate has gone down significantly. I don't know if that's – that could also be maybe we know how to treat it better now. Right. I don't know. But um, I do think that it could be something where if this continues unchecked where stuff could definitely get shut down. Yeah, it's, it's definitely a possibility. I think some states are already kind of tightening some things up and bringing mass mandates and requiring vaccinations to go indoors. So, I mean, bro, I'm telling you right now, like, I would definitely wear a mask again because I'm not like an asshole. Like, I don't care, you know, if I if, if it's like I need to protect other people or whatever to wear a mask, fine. But like, I'm not gonna lock down here. Yeah, because there's no there's no evidence that the lockdowns ever fucking worked anywhere in the country, you know. Right. I mean, definite. I definitely think a lockdown works in theory if literally every aspect of the country shuts down. We saw that in plenty of places, like Australia, for instance, and stuff like that. But like, look at them now. Oh no, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I'm not. I'm not one of those people who are like they're taking our liberties, but bro. That shit that's going on in Canada and that shit that's going on in Australia is fucked up. Yeah. Dude, I'm I'm not staying in my house. Like I'll I'll go outside, get some sun, wear my mask, I'm vaccinated, I'll protect y'all. That's cool, but like I'm not gonna stop working and like fuck that, bro. <laughs> <laughs> Especially since it, it didn't work. You right. Know? That, that's the big thing. Like if it had worked, then fine, but it, it's proven not to work. <laughs> Yeah, they don't have, like, good parameters for, like, what should or shouldn't get shut down. You know, there were so many loopholes. Like, all these small businesses got shut down, but all these big businesses got to stay open and, right. and operate and get benefited. And they got all these buyouts and, and shit. And then we got, like, $1,400, and they got literally billions of dollars. It's kind of fucked up. I don't know. Anyways, Tom, <laughs> Dom Homie 101 asked, thoughts on the rumors of Javante Tank Davis moving up to the welterweight division to face Keith one time. I had a ponytail Thurman, a.k.a. Keith Beecher, a.k.a. Keith DeBarge. Um, listen, Dom Homie 101, I respect your uh, you know opinions, but uh, Keith Thurman disrespect will not be tolerated, okay? That's a Clearwater boy, okay? He, from he, the he's from Yeah, he's from the Wick, okay? What you know about Wick City, dog? Like... <laughs> That man, that man beat Manny Pacquiao on points. <laughs> <laughs> he got robbed. Um, I don't think Gervonta should do that. I think he's too small, but what do I know? I've I said the same thing about Canelo, and he's gone up and sunned so many people way bigger than him, so who knows? Plus, Keith is on the downside of his run anyways, so it might not be a bad time to catch him. I don't know. That's that's my thoughts. <laughs> you don't say anything. Yeah, I, I don't have any uh, thoughts on that. <laughs> uh, he said, with the C19 making a big-time return, with the help from the little bro in Delta, is it a good idea for Manny Pacquiao to be doing public workouts with tons of people knowing he got a mega fight with Errol Spence Jr.? Uh, probably not. What he's saying is, like, should he be exposing himself to COVID with the big money fight on the line? Yeah, I mean, he probably should put his safety first and try and do the fight later, but... Uh, last question of the week. Caleb M. Baldwin of the Wrestling Squared Circle Facebook group page asked us, how big is Batista's dick? 
And Did, didn't uh, Caleb used to answer this question like three years ago? I don't know. I'm about to like lift the embargo on all of our chats. <laughs> you boot that. Where man. we just boot this man. <laughs> Uh, speaking of Kelvin, if you guys are fans of Lucha Underground, you can check out his podcast here on the network, Grave Consequences, with him and Greg. They are reviewing all episodes of Lucha Underground. I believe they're on season two right now, so you can check that out. So, the recommended match of the week. Last week, I uh, recommended Kawada and Fuchi versus Nagata and Isaka. Now, I noticed in the copy, you wrote Kawadad. Mm-hmm. Why? Why? Because that man's old. Old's <laughs> on top. Yeah, I uh, I botched there. But yeah, dude, I, I love this match, man. This. Oh, finally! <laughs> <laughs> finally, dude. I've only, I'm not like like what one of your recommendations. <laughs> yeah, you you literally only disliked, actively disliked one, but it feels like that hurt. That hurt. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, dude, the crowd was lit for this match, dude. The, the, the Gata and Kawada interactions were just incredible in this match. Uh, the Kawada kicks, the the back suplex. Also, you know, you're seeing kind of where like Tai Chi gets a lot of his influence from to stretch plum, and yeah, all, all the stars of this match were Nagata and Kawada and the interactions they had. Uh, dude, what the heck happened to Iska? This man was good looking. This man was on fire. He was killing in this match and stuff. He was doing like, what? What happened to this man? Like, where'd he go bro, wrong? Is, Iska was raw, bro. Yes. What happened? And, and and some backstory here. This match is kind of taking place right at the same time as the Noah All Japan split. And literally, when that took place, the only two All Japan domestic wrestlers that stayed with the company were Fuji and Kawada. And, you know, Fuji was like the longtime junior ace of the company, and Kawada was sort of like the number two guy behind Mizawa. And so they had a long history with All Japan. And when that company was like, you know, right on the brink of going under, they cut this uh, deal to do cross promotion with New Japan, in, you know, in the wake of uh, Baba's death. And, you know, we kind of got this match with Kawada and Fuji coming in as like the invaders, but like the established major, the, at this point, the de facto two biggest stars in all Japan, unless you want to count like Tenru coming over from war. And then Nagata and Isuka had literally just won the grade one tag team climax you know their version of new japan's then version of world tag league so they're kind of already like established as like the top or one of the top tag teams in new japan and this is pre-nagata iwgp champion you know neither him or it was hard to tell because the crowd loved nagata in this match yeah so it's sort of like in a sense it's a dream match you know you've got like one of the top established tag teams in New Japan going up against two of the top single stars in All Japan. And, you know, Nagata and Isuka are not as big stars domestically as Kawada and Fuchi, but they're the hometown guys and they need to defend the honor of New Japan Pro Wrestling. And, like, one guy that I loved in this match was fucking Fuchi, bro. He's, like, in this match, he's, like, Japanese Ric Flair. Just, like, the dirtiest player. He takes every cheap shot, like... All the little things that he's doing, he's just the smarmiest, like, fucking heel. Yeah. And then as the match goes on, one thing I noticed that I loved was the way Kawada and Fuchi got double heat on Nagata and Iska. They, like, had one guy inside, and they're getting the heat on him so that he can't get the tag. 
But then at the same time, they've got the other New Japan guy out on the outside, and they're beating him down periodically, so he can't even get up to get the tag either. So they got double heat going, and the crowd is, like, fucking on fire for both of them. Yeah. Like, it's all, it's, and that's that's totally an all-Japan, like, trope. But yeah, this this match was awesome. The action was great. Again, I, I just really love yeah, Kawada and Nagata, their, their strike exchanges, and I love a spot where, like, Nagata has the Nagata lock on, and uh, Fuji's, like, trying to, to break it up, and he couldn't, he couldn't get, like, Nagata off. <laughs> Nagata wouldn't let go of it, and he just, yeah, he kept hitting him, and, like, Nagata wouldn't let go of it. One thing I love, too, is the selling. Mm. There was times where these guys were, like, bumbling, but it looked, like, for real, for real bumbling, and I was like, oh, man, the drama of this match is, it's so good. Like, I do think there is an argument that this might be at least probably a top five New Japan tag match of all time, but it might be in the conversation for best New Japan tag match. Yeah, and they go to a 30-minute draw. Uh, and, and bro, that was the one thing. I, I was worried you weren't going to like it because it, it went to a draw, you know? Because, mm-hmm. like, h- how often is a 30-minute draw sounding that appealing, you know, the way we're talking about it? But, like... This is one of the few times where, like, a 30-minute draw, like, f- felt fitting, you know? Right. Yeah, yeah, like you mentioned, the dream match, you had, like, two mega teams going at it, and they just couldn't, you know, beat the other one. And so, and that leaves the door open. I don't know if they had more matches, but that leaves the door open to a potential second matchup. Yeah. So, awesome match. Um, with my modern eyes, I would probably go, ah, man, now I'm talking about, like, I don't know. I talked myself down watching it from like a five to like a four and a half, but now I'm like, I don't know, maybe four and three quarters. <laughs> yeah. I'm somewhere like, between four and a half, four and three quarters. It's really, really good. If you've never seen it, do yourself a favor. It's on daily motion. Check it out. Um, but I think you've got a recommendation for me. I do. So this week's recommended match of the week. Um, it's, it's Tanahashi theme. So, you know, Tanahashi, he, he's coming to the U S to face Archer at resurgence. My recommended match is a match from 2011 when the ace came to the U.S. He came to the East Coast to face the American Wolf, Davey Richards, at the NJPW Invasion Tour 2011 attack on East Coast. This match is on NJPW World. This is the same set of shows where we crown the first IC champ. So semi-main event on this show, Tanahashi versus the American Wolf. There's no, you know, records of it. I mean, it's on cage match, but there's no ratings. I don't see many reviews of this match, and hmm. I, th- I thought this match was awesome. You watched it? Yeah, I watched it last night. Yeah, I thought the match was dope. I know this match happened. It's kind of funny. It's like one of the most beloved wrestlers of all time wrestling one of the most absolutely hated wrestlers. <laughs> <laughs> and you know, Davey Richards is like back on the free market. Yeah, he's killing it. He's doing MLW. He's doing a bunch of indie stuff right now. Yeah, so uh, first and only time meeting between these two. On paper, that sounds awesome. I don't know how good it is. There's one cage match review. It's an eight. It's just a flat eight, and he's the only guy that ever reviewed it. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I'm looking forward to it. That's a really, really great recommendation. And you know what? Like, this is one of those rare instances. I've never seen this match. Mm. I actually have – I've never seen anything from um, – from that uh, invasion tour at all, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think I've seen anything from that tour. I think this is the only match I've seen from that tour. 
Um, yeah, I'm taking a look. I think I might have watched the Omega Liger match, but I don't remember. So, for the Jersey All Pro World Title. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, man, before we go, I've been doing this new uh, life hack where, like, normally when I work, I listen to podcasts, but lately, like, I've been, like, just putting on New Japan, you know? Mm. Yeah. It's making things a lot, you know, a lot easier for me to kind of divulge my time between like my work, my life schedule, you know, and, you know, the show and everything like that, too. So Might have to get I don't on know. That. I just want to just want to throw that out there. <laughs> new setup. New me. <laughs> well, yeah, that might be definitely helpful as we get uh, rolling the G1 season. Yeah, well, you know, uh, we, we started the show at 730. It's just past 930. We got to quick easy two hour show it covered like five shows six shows some shit like that like it's kind of crazy <laughs> and um next week we got a really big episode coming yeah next week we'll be back to re- uh excuse me back to preview re- uh, resurgence which will be live at uh next weekend in california la so let's talk about this real quick before we go um so next week Tuesday's the preview, and then we're flying out Friday. Yep, and then show's on Saturday. Saturday. Wow. And then we get back. We travel all day Sunday, get back, and then just in time to review. Yeah, we're back on Sunday and come back to review on Tuesday. Nice, man. Well, I am looking forward to it and uh, looking forward to all the questions, responses you guys have regarding all that as well. Yeah, should be a fun show. Really excited to go to this show and hang out with fans and just enjoy this uh, New Japan experience. Hopefully next week we have a full card announced so we can actually review the shit. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we can preview what we have, but I'm sure they'll hopefully fill out the card. Rocky did tease an an awesome match announcement coming this week, so we'll see. Bro, I mean, mean, dude, Tanahashi and Archer in a U.S. title match. Jay White versus fucking Finley, which that the first match they had at New Japan Cup this past year was awesome. And so that's a double. And then they might even and then once they announced the strong title, which is probably Lawler and Leo Rush, that they're probably going to call it a triple main event. Right. Yeah. That'll probably be the way they bill it special triple main event. Plus the Good Brothers, plus Mox, plus Juice, plus Dirty Daddy, Dirty Daddy, Brody King. Brody King, many others. Like, that's a pretty awesome card. Yeah, it's going to be pretty dope. Like, you know, if you have New Japan World, it's probably worth it watching New Japan World. But I'm almost thinking, like, if it was me, I might even just, like, get the fight TV. I don't know. To hear that English. Hear Kevin Kelly on the on the call. Yeah, Kevin Kelly, uh, Aiden English, and um, what's his name? Why I always blank on his name? Alex Kozlov. Yeah, Alex Kozlov, yeah. Maybe get World. <laughs> Um, and who knows, you know, we'll have, uh, you know, Chris Sansa will be out there. Karen will be out there. Who knows? We might even do some special audio maybe before or after the show while we're out there. We need to get in a, a secret elect group of the uh, New Japan Intelligentsia and make arrangements, pre, pre-game drinks, pre-game show, you know, get together. I don't know. Something. Yeah. We only got two days out there, so. Got to make it worth it. Yeah. Hopefully we don't get fucking mugged in Koreatown. <laughs> <laughs> we got to wear our Suzuki shirts. 
Yeah, let them know. I, I'm not trying to. I'm not trying to size anybody out there. To let anyone know. I'm trying to blend. <laughs> oh man. Well, that's going to wrap it up. So, like I said, next week we'll be back to preview resurgence. If you enjoyed today's show, please consider making a one-time or monthly donation by visiting socialsuplex.com slash donate and click on the donate button under the Keeping a Strong Style logo. Make sure you connect with us on social media. On Twitter, the show is at KI Strong Style. I'm at Jeremy L. Donovan. The network is at Social Suplex. You can also follow us on Facebook, facebook.com slash social suplex. In the Wrestling Squared Circle group, we're facebook.com slash group slash wrestling squared circle. On Instagram, we're at social suplex. On Reddit, I'm the pro black guy. Y'all just keeping it strong style. You can email me, jeremy at social suplex.com. Check out all the other shows that we have here on the Social Suplex Podcast Network. We have One Nation Radio, hosted by Rich Lada and James Boyd. The Grave Consequences Podcast with Caleb and Maserati. 8-Bit Suplex with Josh, number two, All Things Elite with Austin and Floyd, and Great Match Generator with Danny. Don't forget to subscribe and leave a rating and review, and we will catch you next week on Keeping a Strong Style, the ace of podcasts. Itchy Bond. Thank you for listening to Keeping It Strong Style. We'll see you next time. <laughs>